You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got Brant Daughtry and Cam Berry with me for the full three hours here as we take you through a lot of different topics in the sports world. Got some Auburn basketball to preview against Southeastern Louisiana. Of course, we'll be previewing Auburn and Arkansas in its entirety as we're about 24 hours away from kickoff in Fayetteville, the Tigers' 10th game of the 2023 campaign also got to update you on the big news in college football there is a ruling from the big 10 on jim harbaugh we'll get to that momentarily auburn football picked up a commitment the day before a game got a hit on that and of course preview the weekend at large in college football as there are several top 25 matchups and incredibly relevant games in terms of determining the conference championship games the playoff picture and that sort of thing so there's a whole lot to preview today on this friday edition of the program of course we want to hear from you in the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine also today we will be revealing sports calls player of the week so again a lot to do on this friday edition of the program ryan cam and brant with you here on this friday we'll start with you brant good to see you for the third time this week as uh, it's been a little busier week for you around here, but good to see you again, sir. Yeah, man, I'm getting whiplash, but it, <laughs> like like you said, I'm always on the Monday shows, and then Wednesday had a class canceled, and then uh, no Smith Station football for me today. Uh, I get a week off from doing Smith Station stuff as they're in between football and basketball seasons right now. Basketball about to kick up. That's where I'll be next week, uh, headed to Seal uh, next Friday t- uh, to watch them take on Russell County, but... Uh, really excited uh, for today's show. I, th- I think there's a lot to get into. Like you said, uh, Laquan Robinson, the number one JUCO safety in America, just committed to Auburn. He'll be filling in next year. I think that's a big-time get, given all the guys that you're probably going to lose after this season. Uh, and I think that uh, basketball, I, it, I, there, we'll spend some time on the basketball game tonight. We, I think we all expect Auburn to win that one pretty easily, but still got to talk about it. And, of course, the big one playing in Fayetteville tomorrow against Arkansas. Uh, definitely the biggest game of Arkansas season up to this point. Probably you can say the same thing for Auburn as well. So uh, definitely a loaded show. And like you said, player of the week, there's just a lot to get to. So let's get to it. Absolutely. Let's get to it indeed. Cam Berry also on this Friday edition of the program. Cam, how are you, man? I'm doing great. It's, it's a good Friday. Ready to talk a little bit of basketball. Uh, man, didn't even talk much about I didn't even. This is my first time on actually this week now that I think about it. Uh, first opportunity to even talk about any Auburn basketball, uh, talk about some uh, the the game in, in Fayetteville uh, as well against uh, Arkansas. 
Um, didn't get to watch too much of the of the game against Baylor, unfortunately, because of my work schedule. <laughs> I have to go to sleep, so uh, I I was not able to watch it, but I did see some of the highlights. Um, also, the TV show we cover that as well, so uh, got to kind of see a little bit of things like that. Man, Aiden Holloway as advertised, pretty good stuff. So excited to see uh, see him in person uh, tonight. Uh, so I'll I'll be at the game, so I'm very excited to to see him. Uh, see him play and, and make his home debut uh, with the Tigers. So that'll be great to see. And um, yeah, doing great and uh, ready to talk all these things with you guys. Absolutely. Before we get into uh, the sports content of our show, I want to do two quick things. One, I want to make sure we mention obviously today is Veterans Day and we have Veterans Day weekend this weekend. So again, just want to say our thanks to everyone that has served. Uh, or is serving again a very important uh, celebration and, and holiday there to, yes. to observe those uh, that, that uh, protect our country. And of course, there are conflicts going on across the world right now. And so that's always an uneasy time. So again, want to thank those that have served. Uh, and then along those same lines, again, want to tell you uh, that we are again appreciative and we're, we're very happy to be out at the chili dinner last night uh, for the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department again. Uh, we were there from 3 to 6 with our show, but obviously the event followed afterwards. And we can tell you we stayed a few minutes past 6 o'clock and then headed back to the station. But uh, even at 5.45, there were already a lot of people in line. And uh, there were a lot of people uh, already sitting down. By the time we left, just after 6, every single table was already occupied and just about every single seat. And they were already working on getting a few extra tables set up. So that was really good news. And, again, that was after just about five or ten minutes after the scheduled start time. So uh, anxious to hear next week from Tom Peavy how – uh, how the numbers were and all that, but sounded already like it was on its way to being a very successful night. We certainly appreciate all those uh, that tuned into our show, but uh, showed up, said hello, uh, and then uh, showed up to the chili dinner yesterday because, again, that's a, a great community event that we've been proud to be a part of for several years now. Uh, and also along those lines, say happy birthday to Tom Peavy, who uh, had a big old week this week setting up for the chili dinner and that sort of thing. So, again, we were very excited to be out there and glad that seemed, uh, things were going really well uh, at even five, ten minutes into the scheduled event. All right, so today we have a lot of news to get to. Uh, we will start Auburn, as always. We have a basketball game to preview tonight in Neville Arena, a football game to preview tomorrow. Uh, Auburn did make some news off the uh, off the floor and off the field today by landing uh, yet another player uh, for the 2024 class uh, as the Tigers kind of woke up today. We're seeing some Twitter stuff that uh, there could be another uh, commit coming for Auburn football, and there certainly was here this afternoon. Just a few minutes for the show, a three-slash-four-star safety, depending on where you want, out of the JUCO ranks. Laquan Robinson committed to Auburn over Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Number one ranked JUCO safety in the 2024 cycle. And, of course, guys, Auburn had lost a couple of DB commits in recent weeks. Those guys were not incredibly highly rated uh, they were, you know, if you, you grade them out on all these recruiting services, they were in the 89, 90 range. Uh, Laquan Robinson grades out in the 90 to 91 range. So, again, you're kind of kind of in a similar ballpark here. But uh, Auburn reestablishes a player in the secondary after losing a couple earlier this month. Yeah, like like you just said, uh, you had lost some recruits at that position a little uh, over the last couple of weeks. 
and you're you have a secondary right now that is experienced and very good. So you're likely going to lose a ton of those guys uh, at the safety spot. I think that Jalen Simpson could very well go. I think that he does have at least one more year of eligibility left, but I'd kind of expect him to enter the draft after the season that he's had so far. Uh, he's a finalist for the Thorpe Award. It would be, I think it would be uh, not surprising at all to see him declare for the NBA draft. So uh, already you know you're going to lose a couple of guys, probably going to lose the best player in your secondary. And if you do, then you've got an older guy. The Juco guys are older. They are more experienced. They've been playing higher level of football than any of your high school guys. Uh, and they've been playing. That's the thing. You, you talk about the transfer portal. You might can get some better athletes but they're likely guys that have not seen the field a ton. While this guy is not a big-time contributor at a Texas or an Oklahoma or an Oregon or one of those, one of those schools that you want to get big-time transfers out of, he is a JUCO playmaker, you know, and he's, he's played a lot of big-time football uh, and uh, is going to be able to step in right away and help out. Yeah, the experience is, is really key, what you kind of highlighted there, Brant. Uh, that's something that I was going to mention as well, that, yeah, he's kind of in the same range of these high school commits that you previously had and lost, but he's already played. He's already played at the collegiate level. It is, you know, obviously it's the lower major level, but uh, getting that transfer and him being such a talented uh, DB slash safety type of player, uh, it just helps bolster the room uh, uh, next season and into your future. So uh, a really key pickup and uh, a guy that you'll you'll definitely want to see, and hopefully he'll be able to see the field here at Auburn. Yeah, and again, they, they kind of grade transfers differently, but just to try to give you – an idea again for the safety position again it was the number one safety in juco number nine national player uh that rate grades out to three star on most services however he is a 91.30 if you're into the exact numerical rankings of kids and for reference 91.30 if you were coming from the high school ranks uh, and again, I know the rankings are a little different. That would put him as about the sixth or seventh highest rated player in the class. So again, those rankings can be different and there's different formulas and that sort of thing. But again, uh, although Juco not an oft used route anymore, Brant and I were talking about that before the show, uh, still for what is available in the Juco rankings, certainly one of the highest rated guys there. And so Auburn continues to uh, try to build into their 2024 class now to that 17-18 commit number looking for another handful or so more here in the next month before signing day. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll start to preview some of the action on the field and on the court here coming up for Auburn in the coming days. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry with you here on this rainy Friday afternoon. Not been like this in the area in too long and have a little bit of weather this weekend. Good news is they play indoors at Neville Arena. That they do. And Auburn basketball gets set for a date with southeastern Louisiana. So we'll go ahead and preview that for a little bit here, and then we'll get into the football bulk discussion of Auburn, Arkansas, and everything going on this weekend. So Auburn was uh, just short in South Dakota after a high-scoring loss to Baylor. A lot of good things in that game, some uh, things clearly to work on. It kind of went the way Bruce Pearl said it might in the preseason. If you listen to him, he was not worried about the shooting. I uh, thought they'd score, but was really worried about the defense. That's kind of how it played out uh, and just from the broad spectrum of things. So now Auburn gets a, a home game against Southeastern Louisiana. Southeastern Louisiana, not typically a very productive basketball program, so definitely needs to be a win, maybe even a decisive you know, blowout win tonight is preference. I think Auburn's favored by around 20, 22 points, something in there. Uh, so I don't want to diminish these type of games. We saw Michigan State lose at home to James Madison. Uh, Georgia Tech, for all the world, almost lost to Howard last night. Uh, was was losing most of that game. So these things happen. I don't want to dismiss it. However, we know that this is not the caliber you will see in the SEC and in some of these bigger non-conference games too. So what can we learn? What do you want to learn? Uh, and what do you feel you can learn about the, the Auburn basketball team after watching them tonight? Yeah, like you pointed out, I, I think the line is at 24.5 right now. Auburn's expected to win. They have a 95% chance to win according to ESPN's whatever uh <laughs> basketball power in that that's the yeah. one that's the yeah. one um really i just want to see some defensive improvement um you're going up against guys that are not nearly as good as baylor's players um jacoby walter will not be on the floor tonight so hopefully you know lock down their best player and on offense i think continue to show what you show that i think you can see more from the shooting aspect of things because you're going to have more open shots tonight than you did against, did against Baylor. You took the open shots and you made a good amount of them against Baylor. Go back in tonight, do the same thing. When the shots are there, make them. You know, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying you need to shoot 70 percent from three. I'm not saying you need to have like 18 made threes in this game. Just continue to execute offensively. Uh, some people that know more about basketball than I do have talked about that Auburn seems to have expanded their offensive playbook a little bit this year. Yeah, they're playing five out. Yeah, they, they are definitely I, – I, I know what that means. They are <laughs> they are playing five out. Janai Broom has uh, been more of a perimeter threat. And he, I mean, he airballed his last three, but his first two uh, that he took in that game were pure. And he made and that's how he went two of three. Uh, a swish, a swish, and then an airball. It was kind of funny. Uh, and then he airballed his next free throw. <laughs> it was a very boomer bust <laughs> night for Janai Broom. But – Obviously, has been working on his three-point game. Obviously, has been working on his free throws. He's a much more uh, three-dimensional yeah, player uh, offensively this year, um, and, and that's what he needs to do to get to the NBA. That that was the next step with him. Also, because he's like a six-ten center, he's not going to be just a defensive anchor. So, uh, he's worked on his offensive game. Continue to show little improvements like that. I want to see Denver Jones be a little more aggressive. He had moments in this in that first game, but. Also, towards like the middle 15 minutes or so, he kind of disappeared. Uh, I want to see him be more of a force, I think. I, I think that it's less about, oh, you dramatically need to improve on this thing. Yes, the defense 
needs to be a little bit better. But I think overall, just continue to show progress. You've showed how much better offensively you've gotten in this offseason. Continue to show that against an opponent that should be really overmatched tonight. Yeah, I agree, Uh, especially with the defensive part of it. Uh, It's really defense is about familiarity and communication, communication being really the bigger thing there, Uh, being able to stay connected in your spots and understanding, hey, who's covering this, this and this. Uh, And and that just takes time. And and there's just this is just a team that hasn't been fully together. We've obviously Auburn's returned some guys, but you're adding in, you know, a lot of transfers into the mix in terms of the starting lineup. So it's just familiarity and getting comfortable with one another and trusting one another on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, And I, I think they're all giving top effort. I think it's just a matter of Again, the connect- connectivity, the the understanding, the full full scope of things on the defensive side of the ball, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I I'm curious to see Aiden uh, and his playmaking kind of continue to take that next step because that's something that I was curious about at the beginning of the season was you know who is going to be the playmaker for for Auburn because Wendell Green Jr. is obviously no longer on the team and he was that for them uh, and it seems like just you know I again I didn't get to watch too much of the game but from the stat sheets it seems like Aiden is kind of trying to step into that role 19 points six assists which I mean that that assist number is very very good uh, so you want to continue to build upon that where he's sharing the ball he sees you know he has good vision he's seeing the passing lanes things like that very key and crucial so uh definitely something to pay attention to going forward um and then you're you know you're right denver jones just want to see him be uh, a little bit more aggressive in his shots and and things like that just not be maybe as timid but it's the first game of the season and baylor was a tough opponent so i totally understand but it'll just become a, a comfortability thing just as you as you kind of uh, get more into your role. So I, I that's the things that I'm really looking forward to seeing. In uh, southeastern Louisiana's first game, they played Delta State, who's not Division One. Uh, southeastern Louisiana was incredibly balanced offensively. Uh, they shot 62% in that game. They had six players score double figures. One player had eight points, so seven guys with at least eight points on the team. Uh, so, again, not – doing an overreaching scout of southeastern Louisiana, but it was a very balanced first game for them. That is why they are 1-0 and on the season. Again, Delta State not in D1. So for Auburn, I mean, again, you looking at it, and again, I'm not trying to say game two is not significant. It's very significant because it's game two, and you want to see what everything is continuing to look like. But again, in the scope of Auburn season, this is probably about the third or fourth easiest game of the entire year uh, when you factor in, yeah, you got Alabama and A&M and Alabama State below it, but then you even go something like at Appalachian State. Well, it's at Appalachian State, and then UNC Asheville's a neutral game. You do host Chattanooga late in the month of December and open the month of January with Penn. So, I mean, Southeastern Louisiana is somewhere going to be in that in that grouping of teams. Uh, however, again, you know, you, you want to certainly defend better. I think that defense can still be evident against weaker teams. Uh, and definitely Auburn's ability to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something where if South, – well, I'll give you this. If Southeastern Louisiana is able to drive around Auburn and draw 12 fouls a half um, – then that's going to be a concern. No matter how many free throws they make or shoot, how many points Auburn wins by, is that like that's a that's a thing that if Southeastern Louisiana is going to drive by you and cause a lot of havoc getting to the rim, then you know that hey, you know, again the defending without using the hands and fouling and all that sort of stuff that that is a very real problem. It certainly was against Baylor, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to as you guys said. I mean, Aiden Hallway. 
uh, looked tremendous in game one. You certainly see all the tools that are already present. Uh, we just got to see them consistently, and then we're already we're already sold at that point. Uh, you know, I want to see a better Trey Donaldson game again. That, Agree. Again, yeah, yeah. This is the team that you need to build the confidence in. He was kind of all over the place in the first game of the year. We mentioned on the show the, the day following, but four turnovers and in, in 14 minutes out of your point guard or one of your point guards is not going to be not something ideal. that Bruce Pearl's happy about. Bruce Pearl always talks about maybe not raw numbers there, but assist the turnovers. He's yeah. he's talked about that for years and years, and you had. Uh, four turnovers there to just one assist for Trey Donaldson after kind of having the reverse of that in the exhibition. So want to see that out of Trey. And, and then, you know, other than that, uh, I do want to give some more credit in hindsight. I know there were some fouls there that he committed, and that has been a high per in his career. But, you know, Dylan Carwell did have five blocks yeah, uh, in yeah. that game, and I don't think we ever mentioned that stat against Baylor. Uh, Dylan Carwell is going to be incredibly important because he's really the last line of defense. If Janai Broom is in foul trouble, if he's banged up, if anything's happening to Janai Broom, it is Dylan Carwell at center. They really don't have, uh, unless Cheney Johnson really breaks through, uh, breaks through. They don't have, certainly don't have a traditional center. And again, without you know being comfortable with having a very small guy at center. I mean, your options are are Cardwell and Broom. That's the one thing Auburn really did not. Uh, get an yeah. insurance policy on uh, in the offseason, in the portal, and that sort of thing. So uh, I, I'm interested to see. I know it doesn't seem like a big thing, but I am interested to see if Dylan Carwell can continue to just show those itty-bitty improvements because I'm on record saying I did not feel he was a great backup option last year. Uh, but if you can block five shots in 14 minutes or do something like that, uh, I mean, I know you're going to block five a game, but if you really have that, uh, very active rim protection and or, or or you're able to show a little bit more of your size on the offensive end and, and use offensive rebounding to your advantage one of those things that's what you're trying to get out of a backup center you're not Agreed. realistically going to get 12.7 rebounds a game but can you do one particular thing each night that helps you win and dylan's always been a great energy guy but just from a stat sheet standpoint it's been hard to find his impact over time for Auburn so usually the most logical ways you can do that and affect the game as a backup big is again either rim prote- protection or giving yourself second chance opportunities so I'm looking for that out of Cardwell of course Auburn after this will go uh, to Brooklyn to play Notre Dame they'll have a two games there in the Barclays Center Thursday and Friday of next week so that's when uh, the party will really continue and ramp back up again again Stalking coming in the season. Very balanced schedule for Auburn yeah, this year. Very much. Uh, one preseason top 25 in no- a team in November, one in December, three in January, three in February once they get in the conference play there, uh, and then a couple power uh, power conference teams thrown in there like Notre Dame, like Virginia Tech in November, and then like Indiana in December. So, again, very balanced for the Tigers. This is a part of that balance as they take on southeastern Louisiana, hoping for a big win inside of Neville Arena in the first matchup there for Auburn at home this year. We're going to head to our next timeout. When we come back, we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brant Dontry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Still to come, we have a lot more uh, in college football as we'll talk some Auburn-Arkansas, look at the big matchups coming up this weekend. Also going to have to get to the Michigan story because it is heating up today uh, with some news out of the Big Ten, so we'll be getting to that just in a little bit. But for now, we need to go to our orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, tiger 9 First up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's fun Friday. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well, sir. Okay, Cam and Brent, right? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, the three amigos. All right. So let's get to the uh, Michigan uh, fiasco. Guys, you know, I'm astonished at times that these people who supposedly are, uh, support, you know, ESPN uh, stars uh, like Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard. Last week on game day, I don't know if you guys watched it, but Kirk Herbstreit, we talked about Michigan uh, science at that time, and Kirk said, enough's enough. We need to move on. I said, really? Huh. Okay, and then this morning, my daughter brings my attention that Desmond Howard, uh, she had an alert from ESPN, was on some show this morning, and he was whining and complaining that, get this, uh, it was unfair what was being uh, said and done uh, to Michigan. I said, wow, Desmond, uh, do you not care about uh, rules and uh, the, 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 your own commissioner's uh, policies and uh, anyway, uh, guys, what's your take on that? Why would they make these kind of outlandish comments? Well, because Desmond Howard went to Michigan. <laughs> I know. I mean, that, that, he's see, been, always been biased? incredibly biased towards Michigan. That has always been true. Very, very true. Well, I thought when you were, you know, supposedly a, you know, a, a celebrity, or anyway, when you were on ESPN, you were not supposed to be show, showing your dramatic you bias us. Well, yeah, you're hurt. you're not supposed yeah, to. You're not supposed yeah. to, but Desmond but, absolutely does. Uh, well, anyway, and then then uh, what explains Herb Herbstreit's comment? He's an old Ohio State player. Yeah, no, I'm a little more surprised by Herbstreit for sure. Uh, I, I'd have to hear the full quote for context. If he's saying it's time to move on, he's probably just probably tired of, of having the distraction away from the game itself is what I would I would guess. I mean, I, again, I don't know everything that was said. I th- I'm sure he wants to focus on things that are on the field rather than off the field and, and scandals and that sort of thing. And look, in general, a lot of times I'm I'm that way too because, I mean, the, the all the other stuff are obviously the game's the most important thing. However, when you do something to taint the – sportsmanship level and the integrity of a game well then that's something that has to be dealt with so well yeah i I understand not you know wanting to talk about it all the time but it is important that uh there there are proper penalties right i mean you could say that about 
the Houston Astros fan, hey, enough's enough, right? You know, we don't care about the uh, uh, the garbage can uh, sign ceiling crap, right? Okay. Uh, well, here's what the Detroit newspaper said today, guys. I know you want to talk about it. Uh, they're going to be suspending Jim Harbaugh for the remaining season. Wow. For three games. But he will still be allowed to coach during the week. Okay, wow. So what kind of uh, punitive, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, outcome is that? And, you know, I, I think I told you I read some comments from Bleach Report that um, a number of the uh, athletic directors from the Big Ten uh, and, pre- and, uh, um, and ADs had gone to uh, the commissioner to request that uh, Michigan not be allowed to play in the championship game if they made it that far. But I've not heard anything about that. So, guys, uh, what's your take on, on what I've read? What you heard. Right. Uh, on, on the penalty. I mean, again, it's important to remember this is not the end-all, be-all final penalty. This is a trying to step in and initiate a penalty process. Again, the NCAA will have uh, even more to say than the Big Ten. And uh, obviously at this point, the Big Ten is going to, with this penalty, allow Michigan to, to participate in the Big Ten title game if, they, if they're to get there and beat Ohio State. Uh, but they... They feel pretty certain that you know Harbaugh should either you know they don't have proof. I think they said I was trying to read everything. It, it does not yeah, look Ryan, like. Excuse me. Yeah, it says here that it failed Michigan in violation of the conference's sportsmanship policy. Right. No. Nope. Okay. Right. I guess we shouldn't cheat. Yeah. But I was getting into that they the the conference is not sure what Harbaugh's role in it yet was. Uh, and and so they the, they are penalizing him by or, or basically they are penalizing Michigan by penalizing him, uh, and, and so they they said in the statement that they are still unsure on on everything that Harbaugh did and didn't do and that sort of thing. So uh, that's the problem when you know the NCAA is doing a bigger scope investigation and the Big Ten is just trying to kind of do its own thing and not have all the the completed investigation yet is you don't want to over penalize and then have something miraculously come out that would uh reprieve them in some way or reprieve him in some way and so uh that was always the danger with the big 10 stepping in early again my preference was for the big 10 to step in early and they have to a degree Uh, but obviously some people were wanting them to be completely manned out of the big 10 title game and that's not going to happen well, give me your take real quickly on this, guys, because this comes from Detroit Press. And they said here that Stallions purchased tickets to more than 35 games at 17 different stadiums with a $15,000 budget. Now, none of that goes through uh, the attention of Coach Harbaugh? I mean, I, I, I would have thought it would, but, uh, you know, you could have director of uh, a director of player development or something or, or, or team – um, relations. I mean, you could have different. You could have different people involved with the budgeting part of the part of the program. So, I, it's I, again. I think it's a highly unlikely, but I don't want to speak in absolutes because, again, I want to see the in, entire investigation play out. But I would find it really hard to believe. Again, I, I you are innocent until proven guilty. But I I would find it hard to believe that that he did not know about this stuff. And, and I would just simply not believe it unless there's, uh, there's firm proof to the contrary. Okay. Moving on guys. Um, uh, I did not know that uh, Mr. Jefferson was 245 pounds. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's a big dude. 
he he's a he's a big boy, hard hard to, uh, to put down, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's uh, he's shooken some defenders before, uh, and he certainly so we did can't that. be doing arm tackling uh, come uh, tomorrow, right? Right, got to get big guys like that low. Is he easily sacked? I mean, I don't even know how many times he's been sacked this season. I mean, he he gets sacked some for sure. I mean, their the, their offensive line has been a little underwhelming this year, but uh, I mean, he he's definitely big enough, elusive enough to to shake some of those guys and extend plays and that sort of thing and and auburn's pass rush to begin with has not been particularly good this year so uh, i i definitely think it would be concerned to actually sack jefferson and, and get him on the ground well let's hope we have more than three people uh rushing the passer right well i mean they're gonna have to blitz but again once you blitz then you have uh man coverage so then if you you don't get home then that allows his running ability to take effect and uh, you know, I mean, they, there are problems with that. It's not just as simple as blitzing a bunch of people and uh, and, and, and everything's going to be perfect. So I, I do think they will have to blitz some, and, I, and it needs to be effective, however, to keep doing it. And what about Mr. Rocket Sanders? Now that I guess he's fully healthy, um, do you know what his um, yards for carry were uh, in the Florida game by chance? Uh, yeah, I think it was like 18 carries, 104 yards, something in there. So, I mean, that's you know that's going to be about six yards a carry, something in there. Okay. Is he somebody that, um, like, Jarquez Hunter could just all of a sudden explode and he's gone? I mean, yeah. I mean, coming into the season, Rocket Sanders was regarded as the better running back. I mean, he was all SEC, and uh, he's just not been on the field very much this year because of the health. So, yeah, now Rocket Sanders is – is definitely a force, and yeah, to confirm, it was 18 carries, 103, uh, which is 5.7 a carry last week. Okay, all right. Well, I'm looking for this to, to be a, uh, a really, really tight game, uh, and if it comes down to a field goal, at least we've got one of the best kickers in the SEC, Mister uh, uh, McPherson, right? Yep, Alex McPherson. Yeah. Yeah, he's nine for nine. Is that right? Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, he's not missed a field goal this year. Okay, uh, what's his longest made? Is it 50, 52? Uh, I'll have to double check that. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I know he's kicked a, around a fifty yarder at one point this year, um, but I don't. I don't. I don't know the number off the top of my head. I'm gonna have to search for it. Yeah, 50, 53. 53 is the longest. Wow. Okay. So again, question, guys. You're the coach, and you win the coin toss. What do you take? If I'm if I'm Auburn in this game, yes. yeah, uh, I'm going on defense first because that crowd. I I never want to get the ball first in a hostile environment. Uh, I want to I want to send the other team's offense out there so that that crowd that has been getting juiced up for an hour or so uh, isn't as big a factor. They have to come down before they get back up, and that's why if I'm the home team in this situation, I want to go on defense first. I pretty much just always want to go on defense first. Okay, rest you guys, consensus? Yeah, no, I, I that I think you asked that before right. maybe the Mississippi State but game. But each team or, is different, though, and each team's is different. Right, but, but my answer then is still the one it is now. Unless it's an, a team you expect to throttle, I'm always a defense first guy because of how you can lay out the middle eight, get the last possession of the half, first possession of the second half. That's really the only true way to potentially get um, – you know, I mean, look, you, you if you end up with the last possession of the first half and you did get the ball, okay, great, but still you can end up uh, equaling that out if the 
other team does that in the second half, if they get the first possession in the second half and last possession in the second half, then it's a wash. But, uh, you know, I, I again, people get really caught up on that. I just think that uh, deferring and, and giving yourself the chance to win the end of the half and the beginning of the second half, that's always such a momentum get for teams. Uh, and I, I, on top of what Brand said with the with the road crowd and, and that sort of stuff, I've just I, I I defer. Fair enough. Um, basketball game tonight, guys. Uh, I know we weren't playing, you know, a really really you know elite tough opponent, but the line is twenty four and a half. Do you see us covering that? Uh, yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I. I don't. I don't think that it will be much beyond that. But yeah, if you're telling me it's something like 88 to 60, yeah, then they cover. Uh, in you know 92 to 67, then it's a cover by a point. So, I mean, I don't think it would be much more than that. But with Auburn's offense, I think they're going to score uh, for sure, and that's going to give them the opportunity to do that. Okay, and the women's basketball game us was pretty close. Should it have been that close against Louisiana? No, not really. They they smoked that team by thirty plus points last year, so that was a not 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 their best performance. Yeah, and I read that they had come from behind. Yeah, they scored. They only scored four points in the first quarter, and I think they were down with. I think they only scored sixteen points in the first half and had to come back and score 50 in the second to end up winning that game. So just not a great first half from them offensively. Certainly turned it around in the second, but they did have to come from behind in that game. Wow, that is, that's a holy crap. Then. What was going on? Why, why only four points in the first quarter? Uh, I mean, they, poor, poor offensive yeah, performance. They were 2-14. I mean, I, I wasn't watching the game, but that has been the M.O. for Auburn over the years is that they have typically been a defensive team. That's how they were with Coach Flo. That's for the most part how they've been with Coach Harris, and uh, sometimes defensive teams and women basketball because of the the quarters they put up some some single digit quarters sometimes. I mean, I have I've seen that a number of times. So again, you, it, it it plays out differently uh, because again, I think those quarters people don't realize. You know, I mean, Auburn scored still scored what sixty something points in the game, which is not great by any means, but it's also was enough to win. If you have that in a college basketball game for like say a Virginia. Uh, in the men's side of things, but you're doing 20-minute halves, there's very possible they had a 10-minute stretch where they had five, six, seven points. But then they had a stretch of 10 minutes where they had 30 or 25, and then it, it all out bounces out. So I think those sample sizes change things too. But there's no doubt about it that Auburn women's basketball has struggled on offense for the last several years, and that's something they they got to keep working on. Okay, and finally, uh, a team that's not a sports team that's struggling is our volleyball team. They seem to be – uh, a bit of a, a roll, aren't they? They were. Uh, they did get sm- smoked the other night by Kentucky. By yeah. Kentucky. Yeah, they did get swept by Kentucky, but Kentucky was ranked, so it was a, uh, a top 25 matchup. Yeah, Kentucky okay. Kentucky won the national championship last year, and they're looking to repeat. They're, they're one of the better teams in the country, not just the conference. Okay, so uh, I'll read on follow volleyball. Is that a beatdown, three to nothing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a sweep. And, and Auburn only got to about fourteen, fifteen points in those three sets. So I mean, yeah, it was not it was not a competitive match, unfortunately. Okay, all right, guys. Hey, y'all have a uh, fun uh, weekend, and uh, hopefully, I won't be uh, limited to my three words of you know get his you know what. Right. Uh, so with that, y'all have a safe afternoon and weekend. Enjoy yourselves. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday, and hopefully we'll come up with a win. More Eagle, guys. More you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Word AMC joining us <coughs> on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We've got about five or six minutes left here 
uh, in the opening hour of the program. Hit on a lot of different things right there. Uh, let's talk some Auburn, Arkansas while we've got, a, again, a chunk of time. So I think there is a, a level of intrigue here with what Arkansas is going to be the last three games of the season. Uh, they should get their win against FIU next week. That's four. But they've got to win the Auburn and Missouri games to get to six. Missouri will obviously be difficult. And Auburn playing better as of late, obviously, here too. Rocket Sanders, though, being healthy. I mean, this is a guy that, again, was highly regarded coming the year. I checked it. I checked it up. Fifty-two carries on the year due to injuries. Again, eighteen of them came last week against Florida. So he uh, basically accounted for thirty-three percent of his season carries just in that game last weekend. So he is about at his healthiest point. Arkansas not having Dan Enos play calling, and <laughs> on the surface, like again, you just want to beat three and six teams. Period. But you're on the road. That's the best version of them all year. I mean, this is a, a tough one to call. Yeah, it is. Uh, Auburn has played significantly better at home than away this season. You're going up against an Arkansas team that just went into Gainesville and beat Florida. That's very tough to do, even though this is not the best Agreed. Florida team of all time. Um, this, is still a, this is still a Florida team that, at the moment, has a winning record. They have five wins. It's going to be interesting to see if they can get bowl eligible because their Tennessee schedule— couldn't do it. Yeah, t- t- Tennessee couldn't go into Gainesville and win, but <laughs> Florida's going to be interesting. They have a they have a gauntlet down the stretch. It's going to be interesting to see if they get bowl eligible. But for Arkansas, they're going to want to win this game. Sam Pittman's trying to save his job. Um, it, you're going up against a defensive coordinator in Travis Williams who is super aggressive and going to be super aggressive calling a game against Auburn, by the way. Um, it, just to... There's a lot of reasons you can look at this and say, yeah, Arkansas is three and six. But like you said, Ryan, this is the best version of the three and six that you can possibly be. And this is a team that is coming off a big time win. They have a lot of momentum right now. And it would not shock me if Arkansas won this game, honestly. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think it will be an interesting game. I think it will be closer than. You know, I think it's almost kind of back to where we expected it to be at the beginning of the season. Um, this type of game, even though Arkansas is three and six, they they're. I mean, you're right, Brand. Uh, Sam Pittman's fighting for his job, but this is the best version of this team that um, we've seen. Uh, no, no, Danny knows calling plays. No, uh, and they've got Rocket Sanders back, and that I mean, he's a key key part of their offense in all honesty i mean that way you don't have to put it all on kj's shoulders and it, it kind of takes some pressure off him and and that just has a, a trickle effect on the entire offense um i will say though to auburn's credit they have been playing better on offense themselves uh and you know with without the rotation of the quarterbacks you're able to see that peyton yeah. thorne is very very comfortable now um obviously Sands the pick six, uh, which I, I I don't think that he saw that There's, defender. There was there was definitely some he, bad luck involved he in that, threw and that also with such confidence, and you could tell based off the shadow that I don't think he could see him. I, no. I don't think he could. No, and, he couldn't. And, and, and Hugh Freeze said as much. Yeah. And by the way, I I just don't love the design of that play, or, or either yeah. it's the design or Rivaldo Fairweather free rants, freelance right. a little bit. I feel like when you're on the left hash like that. You've got to check down into the flat. I think Fairweather was far, was way too far away. Yeah, that, I, when when he where he ended his route, which wasn't right. really a route, he kind of went five yards and then continued to float. Right. right. So I think he was supposed to stop at Maybe some be point, a little he, closer. Yeah, continued yeah. to go out, and that's how it gave the defender room to catch up to him. But right. I I think there was some. 
I don't love that that's in the playbook. I don't love the way that it was executed. And then you had some bad luck with the shadows. Yeah, I, that, yeah. The pick six was bad, but right. it was maybe you know maybe maybe not as bad as no, it originally no. appeared. No, no. And, and so you you think that the offense is going to be able to improve. The drops obviously is something that has to go away. Uh, you feel like Auburn probably could have won that game by a lot more had they not had those drops, mm-hmm. uh, especially the one with Amari Kelly down the down the down the middle. Um, and then just the missed time jump from Camden Brown, just different things like that, that the receivers just kind of just missed timing. And, and maybe that's just maybe from not getting enough love throughout the season. Uh, and that chemistry is just not as built. Um, but either way, the, the offense looked better. It looked significantly better. It looked like you could really Jarquez Hunter has taken off. He's he's hit 100 plus yards, close to 150 and two and then over um, 150 in the game against Vanderbilt. So he's on a roll with three straight 100 yard games. Uh, so you're, you're starting to feel like the offense is starting to catch a bit of a rhythm. This Arkansas defense is still not stellar. Uh, so you're able you're going to be able to capitalize on that. Uh, hopefully if you're Auburn and and just kind of continue with what you've been doing on offense again like I said you have Peyton you don't have the rotation anymore it seems like Robbie has now dropped completely out uh, of any type of of touches he didn't see any snaps at all the last uh, last game and I think maybe one or two snaps the game before so and and then you saw in the depth chart that Holden Garner is now the second quarterback so it doesn't seem like Robbie's going to be a factor anymore in this in the offense uh and it's just going to be Peyton who's going to be making all the calls and that's something that we wanted to see um kind of very early pretty much the entire time this throughout this season uh so it's a good move that Hugh Freeze made to just kind of cut out the two and let Peyton figure it out uh and he seems to have have done that and 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 without having to look over his shoulder uh he's been able to really deliver uh what we expected from him when he uh got to Auburn so Auburn Arkansas coming up again three o'clock start time in Fayetteville Arkansas tomorrow we will have more on the game coming up in the next couple hours of the program. We're about to head to our end of hour break. Again, reminder, uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we will reveal Sports Calls Player of the Week. It is Auburn football related. And I also want to remind you that coming up after our show today, after the Lindy's Report, 6.30 airtime from Gulf Shores, Alabama, as Borgard High School taking on the Gulf Shores Dolphins, number one team in 5A, going to be a tough challenge for the Hornets. But you can listen to all the coverage right here, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock kickoff with Tim Sin, Brooks Childress, and the Beauregard guys, again, down there in Gulf Shores. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. As I said, more Auburn, Arkansas after the break. We'll update you again on the particulars of the Michigan situation, and we'll get into some other games across college football this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. 
You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call underway. underway excuse me, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday as we carry on with the program today. More on Auburn, Arkansas in just a few minutes. More on college football games coming up this weekend in just a few minutes. And again, Sports Calls Player of the Week coming up later this hour. We'll open hour number two uh, with some Michigan. And again, not uh, because of their game against Penn State this weekend, but a ruling from the Big Ten coming down oh, about an hour, 15, hour and a half ago, something in there, that Jim Harbaugh will be Suspended for the remainder of the regular season. He will not be allowed to coach on the sidelines on Saturdays. He will, however, be allowed to coach the team in practice throughout the week. So uh, an interesting little note there. But Jim Harbaugh will not be on the sidelines. Uh, Now, there is going to be the potential that Michigan files, I believe they already are, a temporary restraining order, which would allow Harbaugh to be on the sidelines this weekend against Penn State. It would not save him for the Ohio State game unless there were some, again, uh, certain legal rulings. How long can that last? How long can a TRO last? I don't know. We're going to start getting – We're going to learn. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get into space that I'm now (laughs) going to be uncomfortable waiting in. In uh, a week-to-week TRO. But but certainly this situation continues to elevate, and – I just want, I mean, again, there's there's a lot to wonder about here. It is becoming an incredibly messy situation uh, with one of the biggest programs in the sport, with a huge program in the Big Ten, with the Big Ten. I mean, just everything involving it is, is high stakes here, and the Big Ten has made a move today. Yeah, the thing that's really funny about this is that this is the second stint of three games that Jim Harbaugh will be suspended for. Because remember, he was suspended – for the first three games of the season for recruiting violations. Now, <laughs> those were very dumb right. sanctions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, sure. he bought a cheeseburger for a couple of recruits that were on campus on a, on a particular weekend, and he got suspended three, three games for games. it. So, he, he will be on the sideline for – well, it, he, he might put coach against Penn State this weekend, but he is going to be uh, suspended – uh, for six of their twelve games this year, yeah. which is which is After pretty pretty funny per honestly when you think about how much money he's making. Right, but um, it's interesting. If anybody is going to be ready for this, I guess uh, it would be the guy who's already missed ga- missed a, missed yeah. a few games. <laughs> and 
you know, they had a different head coach for each of those first three games. I wonder if they returned to that model of, hey, you focus on this opponent, you focus on this opponent, and you focus on this third opponent. Uh, or if he's able to coach the Penn State game, then they divvy it amongst the two. I'm curious to see what the route is if Jim Harbaugh is not able to coach two or three of these last three games. Uh, how are they going to cover for him? Dude, this is wild. It, it, that's really all I can say about it's it. It's funny. Just gets, it's hilarious. It's funny. It just gets deeper and deeper as to how how deep. Uh, I mean, just how how long this has gotten. How Hunter Stallions was selling refurbished in, vacuums like, out of how, his home. How in depth this has gotten. Apparently, saw some stuff like that was running around on Twitter about forms that he has a, a business with Blake Corum. Stuff like I mean, just all types of I kn- craziness. I know that. Um, not Blake Corum, but uh, JJ McCarthy and JJ McCarthy too. No, no, no. Hold on. Who was the um, who was the quarterback who was at Michigan last year? Um, uh, McNamara. Ma- Cade McNamara. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he said, "No, I, I Connor Stallions and I never talked. We were never close or anything like right. that." And then, like immediately after he quoted that, a picture came out of those two like taking pictures together yeah. and like being all buddy. It's it's I. I haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Can you tell I'm excited? Uh, it's just a very funny situation to it watch from afar. It is. It's it's very very crazy. But uh, I mean, just I don't know what's going to happen with it, and, and it's unfortunate because again, we've you know we've talked about it off air just in terms of. I don't know how much Harbaugh is really going to face in terms of punishment because he has a backup plan. He has the NFL. I don't I, whether you believe that he's going to make that jump or whatever, whatever. He has I, be- the NFL. I believe he could at I any believe, time. At any point in time, he has that. There will be jobs available in the offseason, uh, and and he can easily make that jump. I mean, he was a successful NFL head coach a few, a few years back, decided to go to college. He can go right back, and I don't think he'd miss a beat in all honesty. Um, so what did I, I think I said, what did I say Ryan is like oh man he just gets to go and coach at the highest level of football as a punishment ah whatever you know no big deal um but yeah it's it's definitely wild definitely crazy uh and and I'm curious to see how it all plays out 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line today it's auburn arkansas week and that means one thing snake from pulaski county snake is with us snake how are you my friend i'm doing pretty good you know that was a bad loss a couple of nights ago to baylor you know it looked like the tigers <clears throat> had that game and then just couldn't finish it so i don't know if that's a good sign for this season or not you know Brew the ribbon has auburn eight in the sec They've got the Razorbacks second, and the Razorbacks are actually ranked eighth nationally. And so this new point guard you got, Aiden? Yeah, Aiden Hallway. What's his, yeah, what what did y'all have to pay for him? Well, I mean, what did Arkansas have to pay for all their transfer portal gets? Well, these were – no, and I'm talking about – I mean, who would come from California to, to the other side of the country? But he looked like he was a good player, and so I think that's uh, uh, you know that's uh, something good. But I didn't see the I didn't see the depth that I think Auburn's have had in the past. I mean, I, I just uh, they had that big old left-hander that made two or three three pointers, but um, uh, I don't know. It didn't seem like they had the 
Yeah, it'll be curious um, to see I'm players six through eight, nine, and, and that sort of thing to see if they're consistently productive. They they are going to play a lot of players because Bruce Pearl always plays a lot of players, but they, they do need constant contributions from guys like Katie Johnson that have been in the program for a while and some of those uh, transfers like Chad baker Mazar, that lefty. Yeah, yeah. Now, on, on the football, um, <clears throat> we're going to have 72,000 strong out there tomorrow. And, um, you know, we've had a bad season. And this is the first 3 o'clock game we've had. They played this at 11 o'clock. I think they'd play this at 9 if they could have. <laughs> but um, we, we've been playing, you know, we've had a bad season. And um, we turned it around maybe against Florida. You know, that was a game that could have gone either way. It could, but for that uh, muffed uh, uh, kick, uh, we would have lost the game. But, um, he, you know, they didn't make the PAT. And so, you know, we were able to win that. We needed that desperately, desperately. It's kind of uh, revived the entire state. Just a one, I mean, just just a, just one one win like that. We've, uh, Enos was shown the door, and we've got a new OC. We're going to see how that works out. I think KJ is going to do a lot better. And, of course, we got the rocket back. And so um, we're expecting to win. We have to win out. Uh, y'all have got New Mexico State. Uh, what happened to Mercer this year? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Auburn's already uh, already had a couple of the, the weaker uh, non-Power 5 teams, and their third is, is up, uh, obviously, between the Iron Bowl and this Arkansas game. Yeah, so Auburn doesn't have to win this game. I mean, they like to, of course, but uh, – Anyway, it, it it should be a real good game, um, and a, you know, uh, three o'clock kickoff, and um, um, but we're going to have our fan base has been revived, revived by the fact that we've got a new OC, we won at Florida, uh, we were at rock bottom two weeks ago, and uh, so you know we'll we'll see what happens. Our our defense has been good all year. Um, but our offensive line has taken the blame for everything. Uh, we've, we've lost our, our right tackle. He's out for the game. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game, but uh, we're going to be out there 74,000 strong. Sure. Um, Snake, let me ask you real quick because I mean, you're sure. Snake, let me ask you real quick because you're out yeah, there please. in Arkansas. I mean, what is the pulse on Sam Pittman there? If Arkansas ends up losing this game, does he get fired? I mean, where 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 is it at right there? After Mississippi, after the Mississippi State loss, I would have said yes. But uh, he's taken the blame for it. He's he come out. I, I hired the wrong OC. Made a mistake. It's my fault. It's on me. And um, so they this Kenny Grayson they seem to like him. I mean, he's. This is his first time as an OC. Sure. And uh, so I think every if if he could win out, uh, you know, certainly he'll stay for one more year. Uh, but if, I don't know if he loses uh, either this Auburn game or the uh, Missouri game. Um, it, it could be pretty close. Uh, people don't dislike him. They Everyone likes him as sure. a person. And so, um, you know, that makes it a little bit difficult. But um uh onto your uh Auburn commit uh, Walker White yes um I've I've seen, I've seen him play two games this year uh he's he's a good quarterback 
uh, he's the fifth fifth best quarterback in Arkansas, and um, he's had a good year. I think he'll make a good hand, but he shouldn't expect him to come in and play right away. Um, I think he's going to need at least probably two years. Um, but he's big, six four, two twenty, and um, you know he's got the size and everything. Um, but um, they played Greenwood. Uh, he he plays for Little Rock Christian. And they played Greenwood last week, and they've got Kane Archer. He's a five-star, and it's it's the number one quarterback in Arkansas. Although he's just just a sophomore, uh, but he's already got offers from Notre Dame and um, Southern Cal and Arkansas as well. But um, uh, White's White's done a good job, and he'll. Uh, but just don't expect him to come in and like be a starter next year. Uh, I don't think he's that that caliber, but um, he he is a good player, comes from a good family, and um, you know he'll be an uh, he'll be an asset to the team. What from the Auburn standpoint? What does this game mean to Auburn? It's not it's not for bowl eligibility, but what does it mean? Well, I mean, I think it's an important step in 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 the progression of of year one because obviously there can be a lot of labeling through these last two games of how poor Vanderbilt is, and then Mississippi State not being a, a good team, and certainly not having Will Rogers hurt them a lot. Uh, I think this is needed for some sort of validation of the progress on on year one, as as you said. Uh, yes, I mean Auburn's going to go to a bowl game unless an absolute disaster happens against New Mexico State, and and that's. Uh, a box that Hugh Freeze absolutely wanted to check in year one. He, he said as much in the press conferences the last couple of weeks. So I think it does mean more uh, to Arkansas Snake, uh, and for the reasons we've already mentioned, because of Sam Pittman. And and I agree. I think Sam's an incredibly likable guy. Uh, it, it it can't obviously I can't root for him this week, but I root for him pretty much every other week because he is so likable. But I think with his job security in the line, with Arkansas needing all three for bowl eligibility, I think it clearly means more to to you guys but but yeah i mean auburn wants to validate these last two games as being more than just progress against really bad teams and and you look at it and and you see arkansas go to the swamp and win and and yeah i mean i i know ford is not awesome this year but arkansas has had a lot of one possession losses this year so to get over the hump in that type of game i think was no small thing right right well um i'm i'm Looking forward to the game. I'll, I'll probably call you back next week, and uh, you know we can talk about it. Yes, sir. We, we we would certainly welcome that. We appreciate you calling today, Snake. Okay, thank you. Yes, okay, sir. Bye. That is Snake from Pulaski County, Arkansas, joining us today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Snake always calls in when it's Auburn, Arkansas week, and we certainly appreciate him doing that and getting the perspective there from the Razorbacks. And as he said, Arkansas. Uh, turned things around uh, last week, but uh, was very down in the dumps prior to that. After that Mississippi State game, you can imagine losing a a seven to three game at home is going to make you feel that way. Uh, you can also imagine, though. I mean, you, you heard it too that the guy, everybody there wants to like Pittman because of, of the guy he is. And at the end of the day, though, this business you got to win. So that that's why these next three are important and and trying to move on from their offensive coordinator situation with Dan Enos. And if you can, that's why if you can have a clear difference in these next three, after having a clear difference last week, that would be the argument for him to stay because you write it off as, yep, 
made the wrong coordinator hire from it uh, there, going to learn from it, could have been the seven or eight win team we thought we'd have this year anyway. If we just had the coordinator right, we're going to fix that. That's on me. One more shot at it. You can see the pathway there to arguing for one more year. But again, you know, you'll lose 7-3 at Mississippi State or hosting Mississippi State without Rodgers. As for the reason I just said with Auburn trying to validate its last two weeks, that Arkansas, that same Arkansas team did lose to Mississippi State, and, and again, that's what prompted the Enos firing. Yeah, the biggest thing is really what, what is K.J. Jefferson good at? I think Kenny Guyton has a, has a better understanding of the box that his quarterback fits in uh, and is going to tailor the offense to what he does well. That <laughs> – that seven to three game, I watched. I think the first half of that game, and it was Gross. disgusting. <laughs> uh, just brutal football to watch. Gross. But I, and like Snake said, everybody likes Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman's just the rare college football coach that nobody seems to have a problem with. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like it. Like it, even guys that are universally appreciated as being great, there are still people that hate him. I don't know anybody that hates Sam Pittman. Now he hasn't been a head coach long enough to get that many enemies, but still, it's just. It just everybody seems to like him. So like you said, Ryan, I can't root for him every week, but you do certainly root for him. I, I'll be honest, I don't think Arkansas has to beat Missouri for him to stay. I think if they beat uh, – I think if they win this week and next week, whoever they play next week, I, I yeah, think FIU. that he's – FIU. yeah, which which obviously if they lose to FIU, changes are going to have to do yeah. <laughs> But uh, if they end up 5-7 and seven, but beat a rebuilding Auburn team – beat FIU like they should, and then, you know, you have a chance against Missouri. Missouri's a good team. They can't pull it out at the end. Then I still think that Sam Pittman gets another year. Uh, and I it, it's it, I could see the path for that, honestly. We're going to head to our next commercial break. When we come back, we'll have more callers on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Dontry, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday as we're getting towards the halfway point of the Friday program. Let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Fine. What's up, Brent? What's up, Cam? Hey, Matt. How you doing, man? I got a message for a uh, snake. Snake, you guys are not going to beat us next year. Yeah, uh, tomorrow, we're going to beat you guys, uh, twenty-seven to thirteen. Twenty-seven thirteen. You're not going to beat a snake. So you can call next week, but I can tell you, we're going to beat you guys, and then your coach is going to be fired. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see how it goes. It, it's going to be a close game. 
Hey, what do you guys think about the the commitment we got the number one corner for next year for football? Yeah, the uh, the safety. So I, I think the again solid get. I, when you bring in a JUCO guy, you do expect that guy to contribute if he's going to pretty much right away. Auburn does figure to lose some of their defensive backs just from. Uh, being so good that they might end up in the draft. Uh, some of them will be running low on eligibility. But, yeah, Laquan Robinson is the commit. And, again, he committed Auburn over Ole Miss and Texas A&M. So, again, some SEC schools were after him, so that's a good sign. Uh, but but uh, we'll, we'll see if he ends up factoring in. Again, I, I'll tell you pretty safely that if you are a JUCO guy, obviously you only got a couple years of eligibility, so Auburn will want him to be a factor in that depth chart right away. Mm-hmm. And what are you guys thinking about the win for the women's game last night? And what do you guys think about um, the, the the game tonight? And how do you think Auburn can improve from losing to Baylor? Yeah, that Louisiana game was uh, for the women definitely started out very slowly, but uh, I think the second half they really turned it around, put it put things together. Uh, only had 16 points at the half and ended up with 60, so significantly improved offensive performance in the second half and. Uh, you never want to have to pull one out against Louisiana, but when you're only able to score four points in the first quarter, uh, things obviously didn't start very well for them. But credit to them for being able to come back. Against Baylor, uh, I think that you got beat by a team that just kind of won the most important moments of that game. Uh, Auburn's got to figure out how to hold on to leads. That's their biggest issue. That was their biggest issue last year. They've got to figure out how to close out games, how to maintain momentum through the last four minutes of, of the game or so. I, I think that... Yeah. I think that uh, Auburn is on the right track. Uh, they've just got to figure things out. They've got to close better. That's really it. They yeah. have just got to close better. Uh, yeah. And you know, I think if you play that Baylor game ten times, I think Auburn wins five. I think Baylor wins five. I think that yeah. those are two really evenly matched teams with good players. And uh, going forward, I think that I think that those teams are going to both make the NCAA tournament for sure. Well, well uh, Brent and Cam, do you guys think that uh, a Florida can – Get upset against LSU, and you think Missouri can beat Georgia, and you think Kentucky can probably beat Alabama? Well, Missouri's already lost to Georgia, so I don't think that one's going to happen. Um, can Florida upset LSU? I think LSU's defense is so bad that they're susceptible to anybody. Um, if Jaden Daniels, he got hurt against Alabama last week, they're saying he's cleared to play, but uh, if if he's not 100%, then certainly that slows down what LSU wants to do. I can see a path to where Florida can beat LSU, even though I would pick LSU to win right now. Um, but I, I can certainly see the path for the upset. Kentucky and Alabama, I just don't no. see it. No, I, I, Kentucky no. Kentucky has not had the best year. Um, they're they're kind of down right now. And Alabama seems to be figuring things out, especially on offense. So I think that Alabama is going to win that one pretty comfortably. Yeah, Sam, I, I agree. So what do you guys think about the Ole Miss game this week? That's a fun one. Um, Obviously hoping for Ole Miss to win. I think Georgia does pull it out. I think Georgia pulls it out by two possessions or so. I think, I mean, you you look at the way Ole Miss performed against Alabama, who plays a very similar style of defense. Um, when, When Ole Miss goes up against good defenses and Georgia's got a great one, when they go up against above-average defenses, they tend to struggle a little bit. Uh, Georgia's offense is rounding into form, much the same way Alabama's is. No. I think that I think that Georgia wins that game, even though I think Ole Miss can keep it close for a while. Well, I got I got the Gators winning thirty-four to uh, fourteen. Thirty-four to fourteen. That would be 
I, I think the lowest, definitely the lowest amount of points that LSU scored all year. But like I said, if Jaden Daniels is hurt and he can't go 100%, then something could happen. And then um, I got Ole Miss. They're playing playing, in, Miss playing. playing in Georgia. Playing at Georgia in Athens. Uh, I got Ole Miss winning um, 43-12. to 12. All right. Yeah, I, I won't take that one, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And then uh, Kentucky, I uh, got Kentucky winning on twenty-four. Uh, no, twenty-seven, like 27-24. That would be a, a close surprise. Again, I uh, Kentucky is a, a heavy underdog. We'll see how it goes at Kroger Field. Hey, are you guys? Are you guys going to one? Any guys going to the basketball game tonight? Yes, uh, yeah, pull us arguing the basketball game in different uh, media capacities. Can one of you guys meet me where the bus drops you off, and I make can I can um, talk? Um, where the what? They won't let me go through where the bathroom is. The vent staff people, I don't get along with them. I don't see if one of you guys can meet me at the door where the bus drops you off, so I can probably talk. Can't make any promises. Uh, we got some stuff that we do have to do to be able to uh, get ready for the game, uh, pregame stuff and different things like that. Um, so I can't make any promises on that. Well, is there a way you guys, one of you guys might can? Because the vent staff won't let me use the bathroom when you go there. The tag got to have some kind of wristband. I don't get along with them at all. They're... They really don't care. I'm telling the handicap. I just want to go to the bathroom there. They said, no, I can't do that. And I have a problem with it every time. Yeah, that sounds like you know we're we're not going to be able to tell the event staff what what to do. They still direct us at the end of the day too. So I, that that definitely sounds like a a problem. But that's that's not something really we can fix. Okay. Well, um, I asked my mom can't come by you guys sometime on radio station. She said that's not possible, but I'll see if I'm still working it out and stuff like that. But, um, Cam, are you going to be on the show maybe Monday? No, I won't be on the show on Monday. Uh, I, I usually am on the show on Wednesdays and Fridays. But, Brent, you'll be on the show Monday, right? I will be on the show Monday, yes. And Tom will be here. And Tom will be there. We do yes, expect yes, Tom to be sir, here. Yeah. He will. He's going to bring his girlfriend, right? Uh, yeah. Mich- <laughs> Michelle's been working during the uh, during the show the, these days. I mean, she that was again that was a one off situation where she was able to come by. She's. Did you, you, you guys ever get uh, talk to JJ and see if he'll come back on? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be talking to him soon uh, about that. It's been on. Uh, it's been a while since he's been on, so we'll we'll talk to him soon about that. Don't forget, hey, don't forget my man, man, uh, um, Cadillac and Devon Reed. Absolutely. Again, uh, yeah, well, Cadillac can be a little hard to, to reach out to, but certainly Trevon will uh, will keep talking to. Have you guys have you guys heard from Sean anymore? We have not, not in the last month or so. He's fired. He is fired. Okay. Well, hey, I'll talk to you guys Monday, and um, you guys will work a and uh, you guys look for me. I'll be in section, like, uh, 2.11 and stuff like that. You guys look for me. I'll be wearing an Auburn jersey with number one on the show. All right, sounds good. All right, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Matt. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout. Back with more sports call right after this.
Want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. the sports call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one 888 9 Before we go any further, it's time to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Auburn running back Jarquez Hunter is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The junior tailback registered a career high in rushing yards on Saturday against Vanderbilt, carrying the ball 19 times for 183 yards with two touchdowns in the first quarter that came on runs of 67 and 56 yards. Behind Hunter's performance, Auburn won 31-15 in Nashville to claim their first away win over Vanderbilt since 2001 and claim their second SEC victory on the season. Hunter has overcome a slow start to the year to rush for over 400 yards and four touchdowns in the last three games and put Auburn in prime position to make a bowl game. Jarquez Hunter is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So Jarquez Hunter, this week's Sports Call Player of the Week, another productive game for him in Nashville, had two 50-yard-plus runs in that first quarter to give Auburn a 14-0 lead, uh, and Jarquez ended up Again, uh, nearing 200 on the day. You know, I think that really something shifted in him, and I don't know if it was maybe him just finally getting in the flow of the season, getting more opportunities, that sort of thing. But starting with that Ole Miss week when he finally broke a big one, he has been a different guy these last three weeks, and it's going to continue to be important as Auburn tries to achieve its balance and tries to win on the road here against Arkansas. Yeah, all three of his – big runs uh the two against Vanderbilt and the long one against Ole Miss just came off of inside zone plays that Auburn ran really well um and and credit to Jarquez he was patient and executed them properly the way that you're supposed to run inside zone and and part of it is that the offensive line executed well um and then the other part is Jarquez Hunter's really freaking fast man that that kid can burn and uh the, the way that he's seems to have been reading that play a little bit better uh finding the hole that you're supposed to get to it it, he's just played better but and so is the five guys in front of him and it's led to a couple of really big time plays yeah he's he's really found a rhythm especially in these last three games has been able to um 
you know, it, it just took him a while to get going, and we kind of all noticed that early in the season. But now he's truly caught caught a rhythm. The offensive line, like you like you said, Brant has been playing better as well, uh, and he's been running hard and being a, a patient runner. Um, and and it's I mean it's it's showing the results are are have been astounding, especially in the last three games. So he earned it. He's been balling. So Jarquez Hunter this week, Sports Call Player of the Week. A couple consecutive performances for Auburn guys winning Player of the Week. That means Auburn football doing good things, and hope that continues in Fayetteville. Let's talk about Auburn's side of this because we certainly mentioned some about Arkansas, what it means to them, and that sort of thing. We we've talked some about uh, about Auburn trying to again validate these last two wins, continue the progress. Um, you know, kind of confirm a seven-win season. They're able to win this one, which again is is right around the projections that we all had for them. Uh, despite you know the four-game losing streak, uh, it would be an odd symmetry to the season to lose four, then win four in a row, and then we'll see what happens in the Iron Bowl. But Auburn has to do or has the ability to get to that point. Uh, this also can for the Tigers change the bowl perspective put them in a different pot of the bowl games we'll go over that after the Arkansas game not going to start just way too much to try to get into the difference in some of the bowl games until we know if it's going to be a six seven win or eight win team so we'll we'll get into the logistics of that in the next couple of weeks but for some of the guys on the field this team has gotten suddenly healthier there are not a whole lot of injuries anymore that seemed like there were three or four pretty big ones first month of the season they've all kind of culminated those guys like Keontae Scott Austin Keys have gotten back onto the field Auburn's defensive unit has continued to be solid Jay McLeod has trended towards healthier he's been playing all year but did not feel like he was 100% at the beginning of the year Uh, relatively healthy situation so I guess let's talk a little defense so we've talked about Rocket Sanders being back KJ Jefferson better system for him than what Danny Enos was given uh, but that to just talk about them would do disservice to an Auburn defense that has kept Auburn in games all year, all year long. What do you like about this Auburn defense? What are you confident in that they're going to be able to do uh, to give them another shot at against Arkansas? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that although sometimes Auburn, uh, the Auburn defense tends to bend, they are not they don't break very often uh as long as they are you know as long as the offense is comfortable and stays on the field the defense stays fresh uh and that's kind of what we've seen over the last uh few games is that when the defense is uh is fresh and able to not be gassed throughout uh throughout the game that they've been able to stay consistent in in i mean throughout the field for the most part but once again once it gets to the red zone they're the number one red zone defense in the sec uh, and and they've been able to really lock up teams uh, once they once they get down there, and it's been something that I think that they'll uh, be able to continue to do as long as they get pressure on KJ. I mean, he's a big dude; he's going to be hard to get down. So obviously, he, it's going to be a gang tackling situation for him all the time. Um, but I, I do think that that the defense they'll be able to get some pressure, and I, I expect um, I expect the defensive line to try to try to keep uh improve upon week to week like they have been yeah the job that ron roberts has done is one of the more impressive things that i've ever seen absolutely Um, i I think that the way he's able to adjust in a game uh it has helped keep auburn in games i mean seriously the reason that that old miss game was so close was because the defense played lights out on one of the best offenses in college football um i think that it's very possible arkansas scores 
on its first drive in seven plays and then doesn't cross 20. Uh, just, just kind of what we've seen from Auburn so far this year that they are they, they will give up an easy first drive, but after that the defense kind of figures out what it's doing. Jalen McLeod has been playing better. I think that while he himself is not an incredible pass rusher, he is a threat. Um, and Auburn picks its moments to send extra guys on a blitz. And and when they do that and they execute properly, they are able to get pressure. I think they had five sacks against Vanderbilt, something like that. They had a ton. Um, and the pass rush has been more consistent as the season's gone on. And part of that is they're not just rushing three or four. They are sending extra guys. They're running stunts that confuse the offensive line. You know, they, they're doing the thing. I, I was crying earlier in the season for, hey, if your quarterback's not great and your offensive line's not great and your wide receivers aren't great, find out what they do well and there are schemes to help these guys. I think you can say the same thing about the pass rush. While you, you don't have just game wreckers on your defensive line, there are things you can do and movements you can make and blitzes you can send in different ways to help guys that, you know, the X's and O's part of it that can confuse the offense. And I think that Auburn has done a little bit more of that. But I also do think that the players are just playing better as well. And I again, I think it's a credit to Ron Roberts. I think that Auburn's linebacker is going to have to be very active. K.J. Jefferson is a guy that has the green light to take off at any moment. And like Cam was just talking about, he is a massive dude and is really good at breaking tackles. There have been uh, – Nick Saban had the quote earlier uh, earlier this year when Auburn played Arkansas of uh, – what was it? Something about a gnat getting – hit off a, a bull's ass yeah. or something like that. Yeah, where, yeah. And it, that's what it looks like. K.J. Jefferson's just bigger than everybody else, and you can fly at him at full speed, and you'll just bounce off because he's bigger and stronger than you are. And that's something that he's done throughout his career. You know, I think something I've liked about the Auburn defense is the last couple of weeks they've done better jobs against the maybe one threat that is out there on the yeah. opposing offense. So Will Shepard was obviously that last week for Vandy. He had four catches, 43 yards, and 28 of them were on a heck of a individual effort where uh, I think it was a four, maybe it's a fourth down play. It was third or fourth down play in the fourth quarter, and he makes just a heck of a grab. Uh, other than that, he was very quiet against Auburn. And Arkansas is kind of in the same boat from a perspective of they have clearly one go-to guy and the rest of the guys are just kind of out there. Uh, it's Andrew Armstrong, 46 catches, 623 yards, four touchdowns. Second on the team receiving yards has 253 yards, and that's their tight end Haas. And then they have uh, Tesla, who is a great name for a receiver, by the way. Uh, but uh, Isaac Tesla has, you know, 248 yards. He's fine. Isaac Tesla is an awesome yeah. name. <laughs> I mean, like, and, you know, he's fine, but that's 400 yards below their, their leading receiver, and him and Haas are, are neck and neck there for number two way down the charts. So they've clearly had a go-to guy. I feel like Auburn is doing a better job in that type of situation earlier this year it was a struggle we saw brock bowers who you know that it's a difference playing a, a number one wide receiver on some of these teams versus playing brock bowers bowers is still above those guys but bowers obviously got going in the second half and, and felt like it, maybe it's not true but you could argue single-handedly beat auburn's defense there uh and then Against LSU, well, everything went awry, but Malik Neighbors, Jaden Daniels, everyone was having anything they wanted to do. But since that point, they have honed in on the one or two threats. And again, Arkansas has one wide receiver above the rest. 
Now, Rocket Sanders brings them another dimension because their leading rusher this year, I don't know if people realize it, their leading rusher is K.J. Jefferson, but it's only in the 200s, 200-something yards. So they have not had a running game this year. I mean, that whatever style they were doing, which was in theory supposed to be more of a balanced style, did not help that. And then Rocket Sanders' injury certainly did not help that either. So uh, I think for the most part that that might be a little bit of a frustrating thing because up until this last game with Rocket out you could have just kind of ruled out the run game you say okay just make sure jefferson doesn't just run all over the place you're fine uh, but now rocket does give them a little bit of a, a two dimension a second dimension there but again there's not a ton of guys that have broken through on the offense and i really like the auburn usually in those situations have been able to to limit one to two guys pretty good the other thing which is uh, something that is so important from a game-to-game basis auburn's number one in the de- uh, defensively in the red zone and the yeah. SEC. And so that kind of goes to what you're talking about, Cam, where, yeah, there's going to be some possessions where they, they give up their yards, but that is not a foregone conclusion. You end up finishing the drive for the right. you're the opposing team. And I feel like a lot of defenses in college football are kind of geared towards that now because, honestly, it's just so easy to move the football, uh, and it's so painfully obvious when teams don't. That's why we were talking about Auburn's travails the first seven games of the year. That's why we just can't fathom how Iowa wins football games. Uh, <laughs> like, like it just you know it is so obvious when you don't have offense because everyone's getting 350, 400 yards a game now, and everyone's able to score at least a couple offensive touchdowns a game. So you're gonna give up the yards, and that's why a lot of defenses feel like. They've got more of the bend, don't break mentality than it used to be because it's harder to just go ahead and be the aggressor defensively. And it's harder to generate all those negative plays and then not give up huge plays when you don't get the negative play. It's one thing to be big play hunting, turnover hunting, sack hunting, but then some of those teams will then give up three 50 yard touchdowns, right? Uh, and so it. it it has been a style that is more common, and so it feels like we say that almost every year, but I do think Auburn has excelled in that part of it uh, because even first drive, as we were talking about earlier, first drive against Vandy was a really good Vanderbilt drive. It was not a great tone setter for the Auburn defense. They do hold them about the 20, 25-yard line into a 40-something-yard field goal attempt. It misses, and then it felt like Vandy did nothing of offensive consequence until the fourth quarter. <laughs> nope. Like I like I don't remember anything else that they really happened not. when Vandy had the ball until that that first long drive of the fourth quarter. So I think Auburn has done a really good job of that. I will continue to say the one concerning thing about the defense is we have about one or two minutes left in this hour that continues to be my harping points. The only thing I worry about defensively. They're just not generating a lot of pass rusher with their main pass rushers. They can generate some when they blitz, and right. then it might still it might it might become a defensive lineman because they had some guys that don't normally play a lot uh, factor into some sacks and some TFLs in the Vandy game. But they have to usually bring five or six to bring pressure, and that scares me because again, when you play dynamic quarterbacks, and really when we're talking dynamic quarterbacks, we're talking two more games. We're talking about KJ Jefferson and Jalen Milrow. Those are certainly guys uh, that have have enough acumen with their arm, but certainly are able to do it with their legs as well. It just scares me because if you miss and you bring five or six and you're in man, that's a thirty yard run. For the quarterback, yeah, for sure. and and that will keep you up at night on third and eight. If you do decide to blitz and you miss, and they just run all day for first down, that's the kind of stuff that may be the most agitating in terms of allowing yards. So it just continues to be a talking point for me, and just staring at the defense line itself when they only bring a, a generic four 
What does that look like? And at this point in the season, it's safe to say they're never going to get a lot of pressure before, but can they at least every fourth drop back make the quarterback think about it if they're only going to bring four? Because defensive coordinators, even the aggressive ones, doesn't mean they blitz 90% of the time. They may blitz 50% of the time or 45% of the time because blitzing still has a risk-reward element to it. So that is something we're looking out for for K.J. Jefferson and the Arkansas offense is what can Auburn do to generate that pressure? Do they have to bring five? Do they have to bring six? And then when they do decide to blitz, does that become a sack? Does it, is it a rush threat out of bounds? Or is it a man beater? Or is it a 20, 30-yard run because, well, you've ran out of bodies in the middle of the field playing man coverage? So that's the kind of thing. I'll be looking out for for Auburn's defense against Arkansas. We are out of time for hour number two, but stay tuned. Coming up in the third and final hour of the program, we'll look across the country. There are some really good matchups coming up in college football this weekend, a lot of good ones. We'll talk to you about that next here on the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, we certainly appreciate you listening in to this edition of Sports Call. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. And in the last hour here, going to preview some of the other big games in college football. And then at the end of it, we will give our final predictions on Auburn and Arkansas. So some of the action going around across the country. There's two other huge SEC games we'll get to in a moment. We'll start out west and work our way back in. Two big ones in the Pac-12. One still means a lot. One not as much as what was projected at the beginning of the year. You have number 18 Utah going to number 5 Washington. And then you have number 6 Oregon hosting now unranked USC. Uh, the Ducks favored by 16 in that one. Again, that was probably not on the radar headed into the season, guys. Uh, any upsets are brewing here? Any any Anything in the path of Oregon and Washington from colliding again in the Pac-12 title game? Caleb Williams is an incredible quarterback, so yes. you're all, he's always going to give you a chance to put up enough points to win. Oregon's going to do abysmal things to that defense. They 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 may have Ungodly to things. they may have to stop themselves from putting up a hundred. Honestly, that that defense has been so bad. Yes, they fired Alex Grinch, but I I, I don't know how much a coordinator changed the disaster that they have over there. Um, yeah, start. You're gonna have to it, start from scratch. No, they're 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 
Oregon may put Oregon may have 600 yards of offense in this game, and as long as they don't turn the ball over, as long as Oregon does not lose this game by shooting themselves and then the foot in the foot and working all the way up to their head with different bullet holes, then they should they should win this game by a lot. Uh, now Washington and Utah is a little more interesting to me. I still think Washington takes it. But again, the way Utah plays defense is so different than what than what the Pac-12 is typically used to. So I think that there is a chance that they kind of go in and rattle Washington. I don't know if they can put up enough points to hang with them, even if their defense does play well, because Washington's offense is incredible, uh, much the same way that Oregon's is. So I still think that Washington wins that game, but I do think there's a path to an upset for Utah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Utah's defense is just absolutely insane. If they had Cam Rising, they would they would be something serious in all honesty. And so it's unfortunate that uh, he he's not going to see the field at all whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Brant. I just don't think they'll be able to put up enough points. The defense is great, but the offense is just it, it's just not up to par with what Washington can do. Uh, and so that's why I, I agree. I see Washington take it. And then how many points did, how many points did Oregon put up against, against Colorado? If anybody can recall 42, 42. Yeah. It'll be about like that with, with, uh, with USC in all honesty. Um, I, I just, they, they don't have the, uh, they have, uh, Oregon has a solid defense, uh, pretty good defense in all honesty, relatively good defense. Um, and USC has none whatsoever. Uh, and and with Oregon having such a good and high-powered offense, USC might have a great offense, and that's fine and everything. But if you can't stop anybody, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with LSU. If you can't stop anybody, then then what are you going to do? Because you got you got to give the ball back at some point. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, and if you're not able to stop anybody, again, it doesn't matter. Uh, and USC has proven now that they're really not able to do that. Uh, at all in any capacity and when you're putting all that pressure on the shoulders of Caleb Williams who like Brand said incredible talent such a good football player uh, will be the number one overall pick in the draft Uh, but if you don't get a semblance of a defense you, you can't do anything whatsoever that's been the indictment on Lincoln Riley for as long as I can remember even back to his time at Oklahoma he was not able to put together any type of defense all his teams could score and that's always great but the lack of defense has always been what has hindered a Lincoln Riley team and and it and it continues to do so uh, so until he's seriously until he takes defense seriously and the recruiting of defense seriously, USC is not going to go anywhere. They're not going to get to a playoff. They're not going to win a championship. They, they're not going to do anything. Uh, so that's just kind of how I feel about that. So I, I, I think that Oregon's going to whoop them, and it's going to be ugly, uh, and, and, and it's, it's not going to be fun for anybody. But it will, it will lead up to a good, hopefully a really good uh, Pac-12 championship game with a rematch of Oregon and Washington. I did go back and confirm Oregon did score 42 <sighs> on Dude. Colorado. I would like to give you, though, a quick feather in the cap, and these are rare. A feather in the cap for those that argue for the transitive property in sports, mm. because Oregon one week beat Colorado forty-two to six. Yep. The next week they beat Stanford forty-two to six, and Colorado <laughs> and Stanford played an overtime game right after that. So, <laughs> so if you would like the transitive property, there's a rare W for you. Otherwise, yeah, I mean Oregon—that's not even their most impressive offensive stuff. They scored sixty-three. 
on California on, last man. week, 63. Didn't they put a, didn't they score in the on, 80s in week man. one? Yes, yes, against an FCS opponent. Portland yeah. State. Portland State got out of there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Port, Portland State got out of there under 100. So 81 to 7. That was all. Uh, <laughs> so, or because. And I, know, I know it's an FCS team, but they, damn. Yeah. damn. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, look, I, I think that here, here's the thing I keep saying about Oregon. Two things can be true. One, Bo Nix is a Heisman candidate, and he's Agreed. been awesome. Two,. That is absolutely not the only thing you have to worry about their offense. That offense is incredibly balanced, Ah. and it reminds me of some of the great SEC offenses we've seen in recent years, kind of like Tennessee last year for all the love Hooker was getting. It's like, hey, they'd also spread you out, have four wide receivers way the hell out there, and then run up the middle for 12 yards. Yep. Uh, And and so that's kind of how Oregon does it. Bucky Irving and company, they they run a lot. So that's way too much for USC's defense to comprehend. So (laughs) it being in Eugene, (laughs) I think think it being in Eugene. Yeah, yeah, they're cooked. Being in Eugene protects Oregon from – pure chaos because i always allow when you're the home team even if you are a bad defense i allow for a chaos factor for of sure. college football that that's when i give you give a bad defense a, a puncher shot at it not on the road though uh and, and so i think Oregon will be fine in that one uh again i and i, I think that again this game lost uh, this would have been my vote for preseason game of the year coming into it oregon usc because uh, I would have just said, oh, you know, Washington's going to be really good with Penix, but them, they might they might be the defense to lose one or two dumb right. ones. Uh, but it has certainly been USC, who's now down to 7-3 and three and not ranked. And then, yeah, for that Utah and Washington game, you know, I, I think it's a nice test for Penix. I, I know it's at home, but Utah's defense is legitimately good. In my view, it's still neck and neck for Penix versus Jaden Daniels. Uh, for the Heisman, in my view, again, I don't look at it as a most valuable award. I look at it as a most outstanding award. And so the three losses to me for Daniels does not disqualify him. I understand that some people do start to feel that way. Uh, but but I, I think it's neck and neck between the two. Uh, and, and so playing a tough Utah defense, regardless of what their offense can produce, if Penix can do something like 30 of 41 for 363 and a couple touchdowns or three touchdowns you know that that will say a lot in my view uh because he he had a couple of of weaker performances after the big triumph against oregon where it kind of was a a rest on your laurels situation well now these are the type of teams that they got to get going and 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 play good football again because uh i i really want to see them excel and get to this pac-12 title game uh, against Oregon. Now, they both got to play Oregon State here in the last couple of weeks. Washington's got to go uh, to Corvallis uh, it, next week. And then uh, Oregon State and Oregon will play there in the Civil War the last week of the year. Uh, and that one will be back at Eugene, though, uh, for, for the Ducks. But, you know, th- these are still ranked teams. These are, these are losable in the scope of college football. But I really hope that they – make it to the finish line as is because uh, I think very highly of Oregon this year. I still kind of want to test my theory that I think they're still actually better than Washington despite the loss yeah, to them. I agree. Uh, I agree. And, and on, a, so, on a neutral field. I, I, yeah. I also have Oregon on a neutral field. So I, I really want to see that. And, and that would be for a playoff spot at the end of the year, uh, provided that 
they would not take the one-loss Big Ten loser over, say, a one-loss Oregon, which I just don't think you could do, given how the Pac-12 has been a real power conference this year, unlike in some other years. Uh, so, you know, I, I really hope those two make it to the finish line because I think that rematch from championship week uh, would be a lot of fun. All right, so not a whole lot going on in the Big 12. Oklahoma's now out of the playoff picture after their second loss. Still a ranked team, quality team, still trying to make the Big 12 championship game, but Oklahoma State and Bedlam hurt them badly with that. Texas is at TCU, which TCU just 4-5 and five on the year. Their collapse uh, has gone maybe a little under the radar because it's not a huge program, but that is uh, defending runner-up from last year that is now in danger of missing a bowl game the following year. Quinn Ewer is going to be back for Texas, so uh, that's something to watch as Texas playoff hopes are still uh, still alive, but maybe now not in complete control of their own destiny with Oklahoma faltering and not being able to give them that huge boost at the end of the year. Uh, anything stand out to you guys? Big 12 with uh, the Kansas schools being ranked and all that before we move on to uh, to some of these big SEC games? Not really. Yeah. I, I, I feel like Texas is the most intriguing team left in the Big 12. They have a chance to make the college football playoff, but things would have to go their way. Some things that are out of their control would have to fall their way, I think, for Texas to get into the into the playoffs. So uh, the Big 12 is kind of in the rear view right now. Uh, I, I I honestly think that the, the SEC and the Pac-12 are by far the two most intriguing teams right now. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the Big 12 there, they, again, they have gotten a number of ranked teams here in recent uh, recent days because of the surprising second half so far as of Kansas State and Kansas, particularly of Kansas. Uh, Kansas State's established itself the last couple of years with climbing as being a solid program. But they, they lost early to Missouri. We didn't know what that meant at the time. Uh, because Missouri has been a six-win program for years here. Uh, ended up meaning, well, as an acceptable loss. So Kansas State's still coming at number 25 in the rankings. Kansas at 16, Oklahoma State at 15, Oklahoma at 17, and then Texas in the top 10. So there's still five ranked Big 12 teams with Texas, their only hope to make the college football playoffs. So to the SEC, a um, lot of good stuff in the league this week uh, with obviously a huge one in Athens. Uh, and then a sneaky big one in Columbia, Missouri. Now, again, it's not necessarily for playoff implications, but conference implications still exist if, big if, but if Georgia were to lose to Ole Miss. Now, Tennessee, Missouri will happen first, so we'll already know uh, if there are implications still in Georgia and Ole Miss. But Tennessee, Missouri, number 13, number 14. You told somebody that about three years ago. You'd have a top fifteen matchup with Tennessee and Missouri. Uh, you would have been a, a, a little bit. You've been asking for a lot there. You've been asking for a lot of faith in that person to tell you that. Uh, but Heupel's fixed things at Tennessee. I mean, number thirteen, even without with you know without awesome stuff from Milton, is still respectable. And then Missouri with a, a huge prove it year from Drinkwitz. How do you see this game going down? This is interesting. Uh, I think that there's a little more substance to what Missouri has done, but I, I don't have anything in front of me to back this up. It's just kind of how I feel watching the two teams. Uh, I think that Tennessee has, yes, they lost to Florida, and that's their only loss of the year, but I still think there have been times where they've looked a little shaky. Have they lost twice? Alabama. They? Oh, yeah. right, 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 right. Uh, I still think that Joe Milton's just a little bit shaky. I think that if there is anything that decides this game, if, if quarterback play is what it comes down to, I would honestly take Brady Cook over Joe Milton right now, uh, even though I think 
Joe Milton has the higher ceiling. I think that Brady Cook's just playing better. Uh, and like you said, huge from Eli Drinkwitz. I thought he was going to get fired last year, um, but they've stuck with him, and he's led them to the best season they've had since maybe 2013 or 14. Uh, really impressive stuff from Missouri. Yeah, very, very impressed with what Missouri has done this season. And uh, I def- I didn't think he was going to get fired this year, Brand. I thought this – last year, I thought this was going to be the year that he was going to end up being let go. But again right. – that's, that's more likely than – Yeah, yeah I sure. mean, but I mean, still, uh, he's he's turned it around. He's definitely bought himself at least another season. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and Missouri just seems like they're kind of on an upward trajectory. Um. I just Tennessee has been underwhelming. I know they have the two losses, but that loss at Florida, I know it's at Florida, but you're just I don't think that they were supposed to lose that game. I just I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> they, they just they just were not supposed to lose that game. Uh, they they were the better team. I know Florida and, and is a hard place to go to and win, but still, uh, shouldn't have lost that game. Alabama is understandable. Uh, you still, but even still, against Alabama, you had a chance. You were you were away, um, but you were up. You were leading. I think by what twenty couple, to seven. I mean half. twenty to seven. Yeah. So a, a two touchdown lead. Um, and, and so you you give that one up. I know Bama kind of clamped down, but again, you give that one up, and so that ends up being a loss. Uh, and they've just been overall underwhelming. I, I was I'm very I was very underwhelmed. If that if that is the word for me when I describe Tennessee this year, underwhelming. Because Joe Milton has not really done anything that has just, you know, blown me away. Um, and, and the offense is is fine. You know, it, it's still pretty relatively decent. Uh, the defense is eh, but they're, they're just – it's just not as good as it was last year. Is this year, though, especially if Tennessee can beat Missouri, and let's still give them the loss at home to Georgia and finish 9-3. and three, Okay. Is that not kind of an encouraging year still from Tennessee yes. from the perspective I mean, yeah. of you weren't really in love with anything Milton did and they still turned out a top-20 yeah. team that won nine games? Yeah. yeah. I, I would take that as a win. I, I would, if especially with what Tennessee's had in their past. I'll take that. Well, I, I kind of put nine wins as the benchmark for a good team. Yeah. It's not great, but it's good. You were successful yeah. if you had nine. If you had nine wins, especially, I mean, they're ranked thirteenth in the country. Like that, no one. Ninety nine percent of programs will look at finishing thirteenth in the country and go, you know what? Fine, yeah. good, good with that. And you know, I, I talked about it yesterday when we were out at the Southwest Volunteer Fire Department for the chili dinner. This game next year, if this was the circumstance, I would be up here on a pulpit saying, this game matters a lot, guys. This is 13-14. You're right outside the top 12. I mean, the winner of this is going to probably move up in the top 12. This is a huge game. Playoff implications. Obviously, this year, if George doesn't lose Ole Miss, this is kind of a nothing burger game in the absolute uh, scale of the playoff. But, okay, you still could end up in a New Year's Six for the winner of this game. Uh, Tennessee, they would be – look, they're not going to get enough chaos, okay? They're not. But, again, if Tennessee – if you're on the Tennessee message board and you're just thinking <laughs> wild thoughts and you got the Georgia loss and you beat Missouri, no, you're already 13, and then you go beat Georgia, and then you go to the SEC title game at 10-2, and, and then you, you rematch Alabama and you beat Alabama, you're not in the top four as anything's currently constructed. But if 
you'd be like five or six. Yeah. I mean, because you, yeah, you would have be passed like Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. You'd pa- probably still pass Ole Miss, despite Ole Miss having just one loss. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be close. Ole Miss could be also beaten Georgia, so I shouldn't say that would happen for sure. But, you know, they give credence to conference titles and that sort of thing. And so you would be getting very dang near close, that top four. Again, I'm not saying you get in. I'm just giving you a wild scenario. But uh, – they they would sniff it and they would be top six or seven and and then it would be uh, it, it would have been a funny recovery there but alas I, I think that as we transition to the next game the game that we'll need to rely on if they are able to beat Missouri number two Georgia number nine Ole Miss I I know Ole Miss is really good and their offense is still really good defense is eh but it's not as worse as it could be for them. But I just – I don't know. I'm not going to be the right one to call the Georgia loss. Let me put it that way. It's, it's going to happen. It will happen one day. They're, they're, they're not going to go undefeated the rest of the time. But I just I, – every time I say, oh, okay, Ole Miss might be able to get some tempo going, get up on Georgia, maybe, maybe just knock them back a little bit, you say, well, it's in Athens. So you're going to do that for 60 minutes, and you, you're going to overwhelm them for that long, and – you know, Georgia's off. Carson Beck's checked the boxes. I mean, I, I think that people have been kind of waiting for him to have a weak moment here, either without Bowers the last couple of weeks or certainly uh, earlier in the season when we knew less about him. And he's he's not had a weak moment yet. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, Missouri was hanging around, but Beck never made some crucial mistake that really, really gave Missouri the opportunity. So every time I say, oh, Ole Miss has the tools to do this, this, and that, I say, well, yeah, but Georgia's got – the whole toolbox. So it's it's hard for me to, to pick the upset. I do think this they can hang around. What's the right margin here? Well, first, make let me make sure. Is anyone calling the upset? But if not, uh, I am not. Ha- what's the margin like? I'm not calling the upset. I think it's somewhere – I think it's a two-possession game that Georgia ends up winning by. I think Ole Miss keeps it close for three quarters. Georgia just kind of pulls away at the very end. Um, somewhere between 10 and 14 points, I would think. Yeah, I think somewhere between 7 and 10 points. Okay, so and that's around the line. I have to double check. Me and Tom got into a fun little debate earlier in the week because he said he was more looking forward to Alabama, Kentucky than uh, Georgia, Ole Miss. And uh, yeah, Brant looks viciously confused. Cam looks viciously confused. Now, I know Alabama's going to win that game by thirty, or I'll be right. shocked. So at that time, it has changed a little bit. At the time, the Alabama, Kentucky game and the Georgia, Ole Miss game had the exact same line. Which which kind of floored me. It was really? ten and a half. Now it's gone up to Bama minus eleven. Now it's still uh, Georgia Ole Miss at, at minus ten and a half for Georgia. But I just thought for the world, look, Kentucky just has Kentucky's problem is this. As I cross cross games here, Kentucky can win whatever total seven, eight, nine wins. Well coached football team operate within their means. Great. They have zero capacity to break through the ceiling. Yeah. There are random teams in the country, I don't know, like Iowa State, that could win (laughs) six or seven games, but then they'll randomly win a huge game against a top 10 Big 12 team. (laughs) Yeah. Just random as hell, they'll do it. South Carolina in this conference feels like that. South Carolina is is apt for a random stroke of brilliance every other year or so at Williams-Brice. Just just, you, you hear that damn rooster... 
and <laughs> and you just and you just fall apart. I feel like Purdue is the poster child for uh, phenomenal. Purdue you're does in the about. Big Ten. There's always one or two teams in each conference that's agents, agents of chaos. Of chaos. <laughs> but you know who's not Kentucky? Yeah, no, they yeah. sit there they and they get their solid dubs against <laughs> the teams below them. But when they have to play a certain level of talent, they don't have it. it it's not within them. It's not how they play. They execute within what they're trying to do. They don't break from that bubble. And so they are never attractive to me against the teams that I know for a fact are exponentially more talented than them. And so that's why I just, I don't, like, fine, Kentucky might stop Alabama two of the first three possessions. Awesome for them. I don't think Kentucky will be scoring during that time. And then once they're not scoring, then Miller will hit a deep ball. Then you get a little sad about it. Then you go three and out again. <laughs> and then Alabama starts to run a little bit. And then you, you get you get sad, <laughs> and then you go three and out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, like, like that's the Hurts that's, just, on a scale of one to ten. How bad is the pain? <laughs> I mean, that's I know this was a different situation. That's almost how I felt Tennessee got against Alabama. Alabama had like a two or three play drive out of half to cut that to one possession game so it felt like a half's work worth of work was diminished in 50 seconds and it felt like you you, you had a, a just a, a razor thin lead after 50 seconds when for 30 minutes Tennessee was way better they were two to three possessions better in that in that 30 minutes and so that's what it feels like when you're playing a team like that like you do all this work just to hang and then Especially the way Alabama's constructed this year, because they they hit a lot of huge plays. Because they're not really this is not the Bama team to go fourteen plays, sixty five yards, cloud of dust, six minutes, and then score. That's not their common drive. They hit a huge amount of big plays. You do all this work for a quarter, and then in two plays, it's undone, and, and that's pretty demoralizing for a football team that's up against it. So that's why that has just not been attractive to me. I do think Georgia and Ole Miss will be a closer game. But uh, I, I'm really fascinated to see Ole Miss's offense against Georgia because they were pretty much shut down against Alabama. They had a couple nice drives in the first half. Every time they got to around midfield in the second half, that was it. Had a big turnover, had to settle for a field goal. I mean, they just they did not have the offensive showing that I expected them to have earlier in the year against Alabama. And so Georgia – Obviously, akin to that with great defense being at home. I just want to see Kiffin operate there when you know that you know you're looking out for him because their best successes against the best teams, just from an offensive standpoint, were early in his tenure when you didn't necessarily know as much about it. He still has plenty of great offense against the middle of the league. It's not that the offense is figured out. It's just that the big teams were caught off guard early on, and they have not been caught off guard as much the last couple of years. So uh, I'm interested to see that, but I, I agree with you guys. About the line, 10, 11, 13 points, 14 points, somewhere in there. That can mean different things. You could win by 14, but it could have been 24. You could win by 14, and that you were – tooth and nail until the last last five minutes so but uh, i think about a, a 13 to 14 point game there in athens we're going to take our next time out when we come back we'll look real briefly at what's going on in the acc and big 10 and not the jim harbaugh news uh but uh, acc <laughs> and big 10 on the field and then we will circle back last analysis and predictions for auburn and arkansas and maybe one last quick prediction on Auburn basketball as they take on Southeastern Louisiana tonight. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9.
Call Crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. As we continue along here, we're going to make this probably the last segment of the show, but it will go on for quite some time. It'll keep going and going and going, and we'll never leave, and it'll go and it'll go. No, I'm just we're joking. never getting out of here. Yeah, we, we all have uh, places to be a little bit later, but uh, we're happy to be with you here for the next 15 to 20 minutes. So, all right. ACC and Big Ten real quick before we get uh, to final Auburn-Arkansas and then Auburn basketball predictions for tonight. Uh, In the ACC, it's pretty simple. It's Florida State or bust. They are undefeated. They've got Miami this week. Would be a little more intrigued if it was in Miami, I guess. However, Miami's home environment's not great, so it'd be just more about not being in Dote Campbell, but I can't fathom Florida State losing at Dote Campbell, uh, or else we'd call it Choke Campbell. And so... (laughs) Uh, I'm fine with Florida State continuing on here. was looking like it was going to be a huge game about four or five weeks ago. We should have known better between North Carolina and Duke in football. North Carolina still is barely ranked at 24. Duke is not. Riley Leonard is out, but uh, that great basketball rivalry hits the turf. Clemson woke up a little bit last week, uh, was decisive over Notre Dame uh, to at least – kind of ward off the, oh, are they even going to get bowl-eligible thoughts? So they're back on track in that regard. Obviously not a typical Clemson year of the last decade. That's about it in this conference, guys. I mean, Louisville did play last night. Uh, they were struggling with yeah. Virginia. I can relate. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, they did ultimately come back and win, and they are in the driver's seat unless they lose next week and really make things confusing. I do think they play Miami next week, so, I mean, that is not a walk in the park. Unless they lose next week, it's going to be Louisville and Florida State in the ACC, and uh, just not a whole lot going for this conference. Yeah, I feel kind of good about it because Florida State was one of the teams that I predicted would be pretty good at the beginning of this year, and that has certainly held up, even if I'm not sure I had them in my playoff uh, prediction at the beginning of the season. But, yeah, uh, Florida State, they're a lot of fun to watch, man. Jordan Travis is a really good quarterback, and uh, who's the kid who transferred from Keon Coleman? Keon Coleman, tra- monster. Transferred from Michigan State, just does at least one or two things every week that just make your jaw drop. Uh, he's an incredible player, and and their offense is a lot of fun. Their defense is really good too. I think they do make the playoff as the ACC champion. I'd be shocked if that didn't happen at this point. Yeah, I agree. Florida State, really good team. Uh, yeah, like I said, Keon Coleman, he's he's a beast, man. Uh, Johnny Wilson, kind of. Uh, also a very very talented rece- uh, receiver and then um, wow the quarterback's name just slipped my mind Jordan Travis Jordan Travis yeah him <laughs> it's a lot of J names just uh. anyway. I, I heard someone on a college football podcast the other day I can't remember which one it was but yeah. like was trying to remember someone's name and there's like there are thousands of kids in college Dude, football we cannot be so expected many. to remember everyone's <laughs> name Jordan Travis though very talented quarterback uh, I, I yeah I do expect Florida State to end up being the ACC champion uh for them they i mean they've they've got it all now uh they they're firing on all cylinders and uh 
yeah, so, so I think that as long as they finish the season strong, they'll be perfectly fine. I don't see why they wouldn't make it into the playoff as long as they continue to be a convincingly good football team. Yeah, and again, th- them they are big Louisville fans right now because, I mean, Louisville now at number 11 in the country. I know it wasn't impressive last night, but that's around the ranking they possess. Now, they will play Kentucky, which, again, that's not been a good rivalry for Louisville. Uh, Even if Louisville's been better, that has not gone well for Louisville. So I I will tell you that. And Louisville does not check the box in terms of talent teams. I mean, there's uh, Plummer's good, but I'm just saying when I'm talking about the Kentucky argument earlier, I don't say – I don't put Louisville in that Alabama, Georgia, you know, even Tennessee scope of talent level there. So that could could be a trip up. We'll see. But if Louisville makes it to, you know, 10th, 11th ranking in the ACC title game, then, yeah, Florida State, I just don't see how they – end up being jumped by by teams there and and that LSU win still should at least look decent at the end of the year. So ACC not again a whole lot going on outside of Florida State. In the Big 10, well, there's a lot going on outside the field, but and you know, we hit on that a little bit earlier with Michigan and the three-game suspension for Harbaugh. Harbaugh, uh still a lot more to come. I did read by the way just a brief aside that uh, the NCAA is apparently moving at a much quicker pace on this. Oh wow! And that there are I will sell I will tell you this: there is limitations to how quickly it can go because of the procedures for notice of allegations and responses Fair. to those notice of allegations. But I read that a notice of allegations could come before Christmas, uh, which wow. would be incredibly quick. But for them yeah. now, again, nothing formal can be finalized because then Michigan gets ninety days to appeal, and then there's a sixty day process for the approval denial of that appeal and all that sort of so stuff. So basically but, this will go through the end of the college football season. Yeah. And they're probably still going to be able yes. to stay eligible. Yeah, they're going to yeah. stay eligible and all that. There's like even if they retroactively take whatever cho- whatever trophies they win away from them, they'll like, know we'll, that, we'll have all seen them play in these games by the point yeah. that this all comes down. So again, there's always about a 5 to 6 month minimum for these investigations, but simply that it is moving at an increased pace and there is uh, a, a very good shot at the investigation being wrapped up by the end of the year, which again would be months quicker than what how the NCAA normally investigates things. So Big Ten this week, uh, Ohio State has now uh, kind of entered all of its challenges prior to the Michigan game. They've got Michigan State this week, who's just three and six on the year. They are still number one in the country. Iowa is ranked, and that should tell you all you need to know about the conference. <laughs> I, the thing about Iowa is like they can't score more than like a touchdown and a half a game, yep. but they win anyway. Yep. They just continue to win because their defense is so good. They're setting the sport of football back fifty years, but they continue <laughs> to win anyway. I think they've reset the record for lowest over under on the betting market Golly. three times this year. They it's played like twenty eight and a half this week. They played Northwestern last week, right? And they scored. There was like. I think they won seventeen to ten, something like that. I think yeah. the over under for that game was in the twenties, and it hit. <laughs> I should have checked around. I don't have time now. I should have checked around to see if anyone was favored by twenty eight and a half points because <laughs> that's that's the over under for that. Well, crap, Auburn basketball is favored by twenty five tonight. Right. Right. Well, true. Uh, so I, but uh, yeah, Iowa Rutgers. Uh, I don't know. Take the under still. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, but uh, and then, but Michigan, Penn State's the big one. Michigan, I I would assume this is a coming together moment for them more than it is we're going to fall apart at yeah. the seams. Galvanizing. Penn State's not had a propensity. I was telling you the stat. 
I, I guess you got – well, Cam would have heard it yesterday. Do you want to take a guess at what James Franklin is combined against Ohio State-Michigan? Oh, I would – 19 imagine, games. Let me 19, get, 19, okay, 19, 19 games. games. I'm going to say it's bad. Uh, five and fourteen, very close. Four and fifteen. Okay, three of those four are Michigan, but eh, two of the two that are against Harbaugh <laughs> are before Connor Stallions was on staff. Yeah. Uh, wow! <laughs> so just throwing that one out there. Anyway, uh, and only one against Ohio State that was back in 2016. So Penn State this has not been the type of game that they won under James Franklin. That's really the only thing stopping them because they win about all their other games. Yeah, they're they're a good program, but they just can't get over the hump of the other two really good teams in the Big Ten, which kind of sounds familiar. I've heard that somewhere before. But I, I do think that Penn State uh, – I'm referencing Auburn, by the way. I think that Penn State is uh, uh, certainly more extreme than Auburn is because Auburn can occasionally beat its rivals. But uh, Penn State is just very clearly in that third tier, and it's – I don't know if James Franklin is the guy to get him over that hump. I thought he was at one time, but it's clearly he cannot win the big games at Penn State right now. Yeah. I I'm not I just I was never high on Penn State have not been high on Penn State um but I mean they've been a pretty solid football team I don't see them beating the likes of uh Michigan and then do they they still and they lost to Ohio State they already did, so yeah. so yeah. again the big games they just they can't get over the hump well and two against Ohio State and I know Ohio's defense Ohio State's defense really good but Drew Aller who is like a 66 percent passer I'm looking at now 20 TDs to one pick, 1,900 I mean, yards. Yeah. Like, like Solid really sure. good stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Just, but the one game that really mattered to them, again, and they all matter until you lose, you know, you know, if you lose one of them. But the Ohio State game, when they lose 20 to 12, an hour in that game was not good. 18 of 42 cool. for 191 in the touchdown. Cool. So it's like you've what? got this quarterback that is so significantly solid against He's everyone else. Throwing the ball 42 times. Yeah, chucked it. Sure. Chucked it around for no, no, not much. And so I just that, – that to me is Penn State in a nutshell. They are clearly above every other program in that conference except Ohio State and Michigan. And uh, hey, look. The two that, ones that you need. That, that's a team that <laughs> – hey, Penn State's going to be a team to benefit from the 12-team playoff. I said yesterday yep. on the show they would have been the, the, the playoff three or four times Yeah, uh, if it was 12 teams under Franklin and his tenure. For but sure. obviously when you don't have that and you haven't won a Big Ten, then a little different situation. All right. Again, about uh, six, seven, eight minutes left here in the show on this Friday. So let's get back to Auburn. Real quickly, guys, give me 30 seconds or so on a predicted score for the basketball game tonight between Auburn and Southeastern Louisiana. For the basketball game, Ooh, I'm going to say Auburn in the 80s, Southeast Louisiana in the 60s. I think Auburn hits a couple of threes. Southeast Louisiana uh, scores because it's basketball, and that's the only reason they're really able to score. I want to see good things from Auburn. I want to see a couple of forced turnovers. I want to see Chaney Johnson bring the house down uh, with whatever incredible athletic feat he wants to show off with. Yeah, I think Auburn's going to have a really solid game here. I think they're just going to – I mean, it's going to be a status quo game, kind of uh, almost warm-up, get-right, get-ready uh, game as you have a, a harder slate going down the down the stretch. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Auburn's probably going to try to score closer to the 90s um, and maybe, you know, maybe give up closer to – 70 ish but it's still a 20 point spread kind of like what what brant was kind of alluding to so um i I just i think that they'll cover um probably and i think that you know we'll see just in terms of 
I mean, I don't know how much we can really learn from this game, but uh, I think the offense will certainly be comfortable and exciting. Yeah, I, I agree on the offense. I think that you score over 100 points in the exhibition. You score 82 on a neutral floor against a top 25 team. I'm not too worried about many things offense. There'll be things to correct and clean up. And uh, as I said back on the show, I think it was Wednesday, they did have a stretch there late, six-and-a-half-minute mark to two-and-a-half-minute mark where they had about four or five turnovers in a four-minute stretch. So uh, that is one thing once they get to bigger uh, competition and closer games that we'll be monitoring. But for this game, I think they'll have no problem in the 90-point range, maybe even 100, uh, which I know is a lot. But still, again, I think 90 is a, is a good good barometer for this game offensively. And then defensively, I just want to see how the fa- how fouling goes. Uh, can you defend without fouling? You will have to use that as a caveat. You got to monitor what these refs do because look, all, we'd love to think all refs are the same. They're not. Some are going to call more hand checks than others. Some are going to say, you know what, fine. You know, we're going to try to try to let you play it out. Some will be like, oh yes, breath on player X uh, foul, <laughs> uh, tenth foul in right. five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so it just depends what kind of crew you got. So you do have to monitor how many free throws Auburn shoots. But the foul discrepancy, not from a referee standpoint, but from a, can Auburn defend without fouling standpoint. True. Very true. Uh, I think that will be the first step uh, in evaluating Auburn defense against southeastern Louisiana. Alright, still got four or five minutes left. Perfect amount of time. Auburn, Arkansas coming up under 24 hours from now in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Tigers can go ahead and get ball eligibility with a win and do great damage to the tenure of Sam Pittman. Also with an Auburn win, what goes down in Fayetteville tomorrow? Oh, I think that Auburn struggles a little bit on offense and Arkansas kind of has a get right game offensively. I think they I think they continue to show that they are better. And I do think Arkansas wins a close one. I think that I, I don't think that means that it's an abject failure for Auburn if they do lose this game. I think that if you continue to show competence on offense, remember they have played bad defenses this year and made them look better than they are. I think specifically of Cal and LSU. But over the past couple of weeks, you've played bad defenses and you've looked good. Now you're going up against a defense that isn't terrible, but is also not national championship level caliber. Just show that you can move the ball on these guys and I will consider it a point of progress, even though I do think Arkansas comes out with a win. Yeah, I actually see the opposite. I think Auburn's offense continues to get right, and I think that um, the defense kind of continues their trail of being able to get the stops that are absolutely necessary, especially in the red zone. Uh, I think they're definitely going to key in. I, I know they have Rock, uh, Arkansas has Rocket Sanders back, and that's going to be a point of emphasis. But it, 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 the two that you truly need to focus on, because I'm not worried about the secondary. In all honesty, it, it's get, it's the it's the linebackers and the defensive line. If they can continue to key in on the on uh, Rocket Sanders and KJ Jefferson, uh, then you'll have a successful uh, a successful day. I think the offense will continue to build upon what they've been doing the last couple weeks. Uh, it seems like Peyton Thorne has really found a rhythm and. Jarquez Hunter as well, and the offensive line seems to have some semblance as well of of some uh, some some connectivity. Some some uh, they've they've been operating as one solid unit, uh, and so with that, I, I think Auburn wins. I do think it will be a close game still, um, but I think Auburn wins by a touchdown. Yeah, so the line on this is Arkansas favored by two, two and a half, depending on where you look, which means that on a neutral field it'd be about a pick em. It's a tough game to call. And, again, I think Arkansas changed the dynamic of that a little bit with their win 
at Florida. I'm going to lean towards a very close, uncomfortable Auburn victory. Arkansas will make this game close. No, no one's going to blow anyone out here. Arkansas, even in all their losses, one possession losses to some good teams like Ole Miss and to Alabama, also one possession loss to Mississippi State. So that that how it goes with a, a team that's underperformed this year. It is a worry that Arkansas. Uh, has a, a more offensive acumen now. It is a worry that they did go to the swamp and win. Look, Florida's not some great team, but are they kind of on a similar level to Auburn? Yeah, I, I think they're kind of on a similar level. Uh, and so they did right some wrongs last week. They know the urgency is there. It's not going to be a team that's going to be taking a nap in the middle of the afternoon on their head coach. Uh, and that is a, a worry. But I do think the Auburn progress has become uh, become a little more real. I think that they got the absolute least out of their football game against Fandy. I think they could have put about 40 to 45 right. on the board. 100%. And four weeks ago, I wouldn't put 40 or 45 on anyone in the Power Five. So – uh, you know, I think there is progress there despite the opponents they've done it against. Now, the Travis William dynamic is fascinating, too. Uh, he is my view, what I've watched of him, especially at UCF at Summit, Arkansas this year. Uh, he is aggressive. He's going to cause Auburn to think a little bit quicker. Will Peyton Thorne have uh, the think-quicking ability there? Will Auburn give him the ability to check out of stuff or have some shorter stuff available to him? We'll see about that. Uh, and then, again, in a close game, in close situations, what's Auburn like on third and three? If they can get to that, because a lot of the possessions that they fail on, they have really poor success on first down. They had, I think, again, nine of their 11 times they did not convert on third down against Vandy. It was third and eight plus. So when you do get that rare opportunity to have a makeable third down, do you perform in that situation? I think Auburn wins a close one. I think it's about 30 to 28. 30 to 24, 31 to 27, something in there. Uh, that might be a little bit over the uh, the total there. But, again, I think that Auburn has made real strides, and I do think that it'll play out in just enough uh, against Arkansas that I know needs a win really badly. Just a minute or so left in the program. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Real quickly, no music here. We got some big basketball on tonight, too, uh, as the Duke Blue Devils take on the Arizona Wildcats, 6 o'clock ESPN2. Caleb Love makes his return to Cameron Indoor Stadium, former North Carolina Tar Heel. Hope he wins just like I would have hoped for in his previous uniform. Uh, 6 o'clock ESPNU, Davidson and Maryland. And then Auburn basketball, southeastern Louisiana. 7 o'clock from Neville Arena. That's on the SEC Network Plus if you're looking for that one. And then two movie picks, 6 o'clock on CMT. It's Forrest Gump. And 6.30 on FX. It's The Waterboy. A couple of classics right there. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the program today. Cam Barry, thank you for being here, sir. Glad to be here. Uh, also, shout out to the Hawks, 41-9 and nine from Trey last night. Woo. Yep. And then, uh, Brant Daughtry, thank you for being here all week long. And uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you again on Monday. Thank you for having me. And that will do it for the show today. Reminder, coming up next at 6.30, Borgard High School football in the playoffs against number 1 Gulf Shores. 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock kickoff right here on Tiger 95.9. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. I will be off on Monday. Brooke Childress will have the host seat, but certainly hope you listen into that. For Brant Daughtry and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week.